Hey, City of Champion listeners, welcome to another episode of the podcast. This show is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Now, the Alberta Podcast Network is home to dozens of fantastic Alberta-made podcasts on a ton of different topics. One I think worth checking out is the Work Not Work podcast. Have you ever met someone who seemed to have their dream job? Ever wonder how they managed to get it? The Work Not Work show tracks down people who have managed to turn their passion into their career. And each episode, Terrence Gannon talks to one person who's living the dream. I'll link to the podcast in this episode's show notes, um, so check it out. I'm really pleased to say that my guest this week absolutely falls into that same category. Mukai Maromo is a former Muay Thai and MMA fighter turned digital media marketer and event promoter. Known as the African Assassin back in his fighting days, Mukai brings that same level of competitive drive and commitment to his business pursuits. So this conversation was way longer than most episodes, but once you jump into it, you'll see why. Mukai is absolutely fascinating. We talked about growing up in Zimbabwe and the path that brought him to Edmonton. <clears throat> Edmonton. We talked about the mindset he has that's driven him to succeed, and we talked about a ton of other interesting stuff. Uh, just an all-around great guy. An awesome time chatting with the man, and I'm really pumped for this episode. So please give it up for the African assassin himself, Mukai Maromo. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, bud. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. I um I got a I got a uh, a confession to make before we got introduced. I know we're starting off hard hitting. Before uh before we met. Through Hanok, shout yeah. out to Hanok for the introduction. Um, I at Good Life, I saw you working out like every couple of days, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, holy shit, that guy is in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was admirable of, of your physical prowess. Thank you, man. Thank like, you. Because you know, like, the same people you see every day, right? Yeah. Like, you're like, I recognize that person. The community. Probably, probably 50 people you know there and you know, but you've never talked to, right? Mm-hmm. And if you saw him somewhere else on the street, you might say hi, but some people are in their workout game, they just don't want to. They don't want to, you know, open up or, or, you know, you get the headphones on or whatever. What's your thought about knowing people at the gym? Because, like... Uh, I find the gym is one of the, the, the few places these days you can go to and actually socialize with people, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, it's hard to meet people these days. Mm-hmm. Like, back in the day, I remember you could meet people in, in a number of different places out and about. But now it's like if you try to talk to people at the mall randomly, it's weird, <laughs> right? Grocery store, it's weird. Yeah. You know, you talk to women, you think you're trying to pick them up, you mm-hmm. know? So it's it's... It's odd, but at the gym, you can talk about, you know, oh, hey, I've seen you a bunch of times. What's yeah. your name? And you can socialize. So it's, I love the gym for that. And obviously, I'm a workout freak, right? So Yeah, so you're always there. <laughs> I'm always there. But yeah, definitely. I think the social aspect is one of the bigger parts of, of gym life nowadays. Does it get too much, though? Like, you're you're in the middle of a good workout, and a buddy comes over and starts chatting. Like, you are like, fuck, I just want to get back to my workout. <laughs> it know? can. Yeah. It can. I find sometimes you have to set the boundaries for yourself. Or to me, I'm just like, okay. Every interaction gets like two minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And in between sets. So it's like almost like a breaks and it works. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I got to get back to this work and I do it. So yeah. Yeah. But it can get challenging, man. What's your yeah. out? Like what's your out? If someone just keeps talking and talking, do you have a line? Or are you just like, oh, hey, I'm man, just, get- I just, I got to get this work, man. <laughs> yeah. Like it's my thing. I'm like, dude, I got to get this work. There's work to be done. You know what I mean? And I just leave. So it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah. My girlfriend, she's, she's training to be a firefighter right now. And nice. she, um, she wears her like big bunker gear, like in the gym working out and like, on the treadmill and stuff, she gets talked to all the time. And yeah, she's, she's not. She's not able to. 
she's not good at being like, hey, I got to go. So yeah. sometimes she'll, I'll see her like talking to someone for five or 10 minutes. And then eventually I'll be like, hey, like we're running out of time go. here. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you've got a really interesting story and I don't know if, if a ton of people know it, but, uh, after this, hopefully a lot of people know it. Hopefully. Obviously, yeah. Obviously you do a number of things, your marketing, your Edmonton combat league, yep. you, uh, you, you host charity events yep. and, uh, and you're crazy into physical fitness, martial arts. Yep. So let's start at the beginning of all that to put this into context. So where you're born, where you grew up, oh, shit. how, yeah, we're throwing yeah. it back. Oh dude, that's a huge <laughs> throwback. Okay. Uh, born and raised in Zimbabwe. You're the second Zimbabwean that I've had on this. No way. Yeah. Who was the first? My buddy Philip Matombo. I know the kid. Do you know Philip? Yeah, he's a boxer. Yeah. Phenomenal boxer. Yeah, he's in Montreal right now. Yeah, yeah. He's living good. His yeah, he, he just won the nationals too, man. Yeah. The kid, the kid's a, he's a monster. He's a phenomenal athlete. But yes, from Zimbabwe, born and raised. I uh, I was born there. I lived there till I was 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I uh, went to the States for University in North Carolina. Uh... It's interesting, man. Like you never, back then, and this this makes me feel old as shit, man. <laughs> back then, we didn't have. How old are you? Thirty. Okay. Yeah. So you can you can relate. Mm-hmm. In our teens, mm-hmm. or you know the earlier the earlier part, like just our preteens, we never had uh, access to information like you do now. No. You know, like just to Google something mm-hmm. to get any kind of context, like. People don't understand how profound that is. So when I first moved to the States from like Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. like what you have is the perception of where you're going is just television and documentary. And that's right. it. You know? Yeah. You had no idea where you're going. No into. idea. And, uh, and television and documentary only focus on like the the pinnacle, you know, New what? York, LA, <laughs> Vegas. Like, yeah. They don't do like Salisbury, North Carolina or Charlotte, <laughs> North Carolina. You know what I mean? So in my mind, I'm like... Okay, it's gonna be cool, man. It's gonna be yellow cabs everywhere. It's gonna be the glitz. It's gonna be, you know what I mean. Yeah. And then I get to 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 North Carolina, and it's like huge culture shock, man. Like, yeah, unreal. But like most people have a misconception about how you grew up in Zimbabwe, right? Yeah, I've heard you write before or talk in interviews about everyone thinks I like came from some National Geographic. Yeah, page, no, right? man, no, no. And that's the thing is when you say Zimbabwe, it really it's it's more the the differences are cultural. Mm. You know what I mean to say. The way we do certain things is different just mm-hmm. based on, you know, the cultural influence of, of Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. But really, I grew up in a city, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? We had access to technology. Like, I had an email account. I had a computer. You know what I mean? We had cell phones. You know, I lived, like, you know, in a in a, in a, in a fairly affluent community. Like, it was mm-hmm. normal. Yeah. So, so, the only difference really was, you know... People sound different. They mm-hmm. talk different. The yeah. slang is different. They dress different. Yeah, you know the weather's different. You know what I mean. What would a typical like summer vacation be for your family back then? Like, did you guys go do things? Yeah, like yeah. Your, your parents are both well off. Your dad, mechanical engineer, right? Mom yeah. was an accountant. Yeah, yeah. Did my research. Oh, this guy, this guy <laughs> knows me, man. <laughs> do I even need to be here? You should tell my story, dude. No, man. You're way more interesting than I am. Not even. Uh. You, so the structure is different. The social structure. Mm-hmm. So school, for example, is three terms. Mm-hmm. So we do one term, and then there's a a, a month break in between each term. Okay. So we still get like a, a huge chunk of holidays, like you do here. Whereas the summer's the holiday, so it's almost like three three months and change. Mm-hmm. Whereas back home, we only do three months of schooling, and we call that a term. So you've got first term, second term, and third term, mm-hmm. and then in between each one of those. You've got a month break. So mm-hmm. for example, we'll do January, February, March. Yeah. We'll take a break in April. 
You know what I mean? Come back May, June, July. That's way better. Take a break and then come back for the, you know, the, the final three months and then yeah. take a break, like, kind of leading into Christmas and New Year. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome because you don't get, like, that two or, yeah, two months for... for elementary school where you're just off and the kids have nothing to do and yeah. it's summer and, yeah, and no. you forget everything you learn you spend the first month of the next year learning relearning yeah that's way smarter yeah yeah so it's broken up into terms like that yeah. and then so holidays we actually have three holidays a year yeah so we you know holiday, a typical holiday like we used to travel a lot big yeah. road trips and mm-hmm. my dad was like big into traveling right so we'd travel to like South Africa mm-hmm. Botswana mm-hmm. across the country so a typical holiday would take us um drive across the country would go let's say it's 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 hard to describe because <laughs> it's all the places I would talk about yeah. aren't normal to people from here yeah. so but I'll talk about them anyway so yeah, it, no, it'll no, kind no. of give cool context fucking google it yeah yeah so I used to live in Gweru which is like a city so a typical holiday would drive from Gweru mm-hmm. and go to like Chimanimani which is like Comparable to like a Banff, but okay. without the winter. Yeah. So it's just like lush, green mountains, hiking mm-hmm. trails, cabins, rivers. You can go boating, stuff like that. And go to like a cabin for a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? Hit the river, go fishing, uh, canoeing, that yeah. sort of thing. The fun stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? And and it, it, it was fun. But that was just normal. Right. Because like sometimes we'd go to my grandparents' place. Um, so anyway, give it a bit of context. Yeah. Back home, we've got the city, mm-hmm. and then we've got the rural areas. Mm-hmm. So the rural area is is the exact opposite of the city. There's no electricity. There's no tarred roads. Oh, people okay. live subsistently. They yeah. farm for all their food. They own, like, huge chunks of land mm-hmm. that they farm all year round. You know, and we can farm all year round because we don't get right. hardcore winters like we do here. <laughs> so it's like my grandparents had a plot of land they lived on subsistently. Mm-hmm. where We would visit periodically when we were on holidays and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, we lived in the city. You know, so sometimes that would be a holiday. We'll spend a couple of weeks there, then go to the cabin and then yeah. go here or we'd go to South Africa or we'd go to Botswana or something. Yeah. And then that changed a little bit when my parents moved to Botswana. Mm-hmm. Then a holiday would be going back home, you know, right. back to Zimbabwe, you know, right. like, okay, we're going to be in Zimbabwe for the, for the And you moved with them? Yeah, I moved with them. them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I moved with them and then when they moved, uh, because the, the educational system was different in Botswana, yeah. Instead of having to have that, you know, um, upheaval when I was 14, mm-hmm. I went into boarding school. Oh, okay. So I started going to boarding school when I was 14, and that was, you know, it was an interesting change too. So yeah. So you yeah. stayed you stayed where you were, or where'd you go to boarding school? Back back where you used to live? No. So I was living in Gweru when my parents moved uh, to to Botswana. Yeah. And so I went to a boarding school in uh, Bulawayo, well, Esigodini, which is near Bulawayo, called yeah. Falcon College. Yeah. Yeah. So How was, far away was that from your parents? Oh, dude, hundreds of kilometers, man. Okay. Like, like, so not a day trip, really. Like, no, yeah. it probably be like it would be a day trip, but you, then like you, you probably be driving for twelve hours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Why well, is I went to boarding school at thirteen? Oh, there you well, go. Yeah. Because I lived in Vancouver. Mom and I moved to uh, to Calgary when I was in going into grade six, mm-hmm. grade six and seven there, grade eight, so thirteen years old. Yeah. She stayed in Calgary because her parents were there and, and not doing so well. So I went back to to boarding school in Vancouver. Nice. So it was it was a cool change, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I liked it because you kind of you developed that autonomy a little earlier in 100%, life. Hundred percent, man. Grew up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then she moved back like around grade 11, 12. So I moved back home, which was, which was nice because yeah, boarding school's got a lot of rules. Yeah. I don't know. Was your school strict? Very strict. Very strict. Yeah. And I loved it though. But like, but school, see, and, and uh, one of the cultural differences I'll highlight, like, so back home, school here, people just wear regular clothes. Mm-hmm. 
back home, like everyone wore a uniform. Yeah. So you'd have like the the you know the slacks, you know, tie, t-shirt, tie, yeah. you know, not a t-shirt, like a dress shirt, a tie, and a yeah. blazer. Yeah. That was a uniform. Yeah, you I know had what that mean? too, man. <laughs> exactly. So you know what I'm How's talking your, about. Can you tie a tie? I could tie a tie easily. So though. so in my school, so what some guys used to do is just tie it once at the start of the year and yeah. then leave it throughout the course of the year. So they no. just threw it on and off their head. But I was like, I know that if I do this every day, I'm gonna know how to tie a tie for the rest of my life. Yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah. to this day, at my buddy's weddings now, I'm like tying their ties and putting yeah. them over there. <laughs> That's awesome. It's funny because I I actually did video production uh, with uh, with the the first company I started uh, with a friend of mine, Steve, mm-hmm. and that was one thing where I noticed like people did not know how to tie ties, man. Yeah. To me, it was just a normal thing because yeah. like you get you get your ass kicked in school if you didn't <laughs> tie your tie properly, right? So there was an actual way of tying it where. Um, if the guy saw you, like you could, you can always tell a fresh knot. Yeah, yeah. So sure. if your knot looks stale, like the guy so would unravel it's, it. It's, it's bigger, it's right? It's bigger yeah. and crisp, exactly. Yeah. So if the guy saw you knot wasn't fresh, it unravel it and tell you to do it again, and then ah, you know. Yeah. So you learn fairly on that. Okay, you can't cheat this system. So you just learned how to do it. Was school pretty tough back then? Like the kids, like was it like a like a tough environment, or was it pretty like easygoing? Uh, it was like tough. Your peer group. It was tough. Yeah, it was tough. I think uh, I was one of the. Uh, it's, it's it's shitty to say, but I was one of the bullies, actually. You were one of the yeah, bullies? I was one of the tough kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it was, um, but everyone was tough. Yeah. So I, I was one of the tough kids, but... The top dog. It, it, well, not really top dog, because... Okay. So there's a thing called seniority. <laughs> yeah. But when you say seniority in, like, regular day-to-day life, it's just, like, you know, it's it's more about hierarchy based on, on having been somewhere for a longer period of time. Whereas in school, yeah. in boarding school, yeah. it was older students. Yeah had more clout than you did yeah for sure yeah so they could tell you what to do yeah so exactly exactly so there was a there was a there was a there was a social hierarchy based on age yeah so for example if you were in form one everybody who was above you Mm -hmm. and school was form one to six Mm -hmm. you know everyone who was above you could could kind of shit on you you had to defer to them (laughs) yeah exactly you know what i mean so and then our boarding school, you had the senior students, the, the guys who were in the sixth form, mm-hmm. A-levels. Mm-hmm. So these guys would be 17 or 18 years old. Those are the guys who kind of look over the younger kids. Right. Yeah, so it was 100%, you know, <laughs> students with like a, a boarding master and a house master. Yeah. You know, the adults you defer to to say, okay, if you're being excessively, you know, troublesome, <laughs> then you go see the house master and yeah. he canes you or assigns punishments <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, canes? <laughs> Dude, oh like, shit, man! Yeah, man. That's like the teachers part. could cane you. Like I got caned a lot, dude. But do you think? <laughs> do you think that made you a more respectful kid? Hundred percent. Because like I, I could see that going the opposite way, right? Like if you got a bad attitude towards that, you get yeah. caned. All of a sudden, you become like defiant to authority, and you're a real piece of shit. So I think it depends how how that all unfolds, right? But what's cool about that is that like the students, similar to my boarding school, yeah. the students had like sort of their self-organizing hierarchy where Big they time. almost like self-policing, right? It's yep. like fighting in hockey. Right, like you get the enforcers out there. You get two big guys. They might not be fighting anyone, but yeah. the players on the ice know that someone's going to be guy. held accountable yeah. if they take liberties with someone. Yeah, right? that's exactly <laughs> it, man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I find the caning like was a, uh, it was it was an acceptable form of punishment because as I grow up more, it's like you you kind of forget that when you're younger, you don't know a lot of stuff. Yeah. And at the older I get, I'm realizing life gets more easier with based on you know how much shit you know yeah you know what i mean to go sometimes as a kid you you wouldn't understand why you couldn't push people around and do dumb shit right you know 
because as a kid, I could, I can do this. Why, yeah. why the hell not? Yeah, exactly. But as, as you learn more, mm-hmm. then you you kind of like, oh, that's not. That's why I yeah. shouldn't do it. You know what I mean? So I think I think in my case anyway, it definitely helped a lot because like I was I was I was I was I was just a terrible kid, man. Yeah. You know, and terrible not in like 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 a piece of shit kid, but like. I was adventurous. I tried new things. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd be like, if there was a fence, I'd climb the fence and run. You know what I mean? And I was high that energy kid. and excited. Yeah, yeah, you know. And, and but really, the, what the problem was wasn't that I was a terrible kid. It was I just wasn't uh, focused enough. Mm. So when I discovered athletics and yeah. and sports and got into it deeply, mm-hmm. a lot of my 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 bullshit, so to speak, kind of. Excited. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Yeah, you got to have something more important than the bullshit. So if you're exactly if you're a young kid, full of energy and excitable, and you don't have any like purpose or meaning in life, of course yeah. you're gonna use whatever outlet you've got, right? Big so time. Who's next to me? I'll push him, knock yeah. him in the face. Exactly. But all of a sudden, if you're like, oh, I got this sport now, and there's consequences, right? If I misbehave, I don't get to do the sport I really enjoy. Then all of a sudden, right? Then yeah. it becomes real. Exactly. So sports, I had a very early on kind of love relationship with sports, so that straightened me out because mm-hmm. all of a sudden. You know, I love rugby at the time. Mm-hmm. So to play on the rugby team, you know, like like you had to have good grades and you had to be well behaved. Because if you misbehaved, you'd get docked from playing and traveling with the team, and that was it. You right. know what I mean? So all of a sudden, that straightened me right out, and boom, off you go. You know, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit, you know, straight and narrow, so to speak. So it was good times, man. And and even just the older students would beat you up if you got too far yeah. in hand, right? So. So it was good times, man. It what, was. What position did you play? I was a winger. Winger, winger or fullback, number yeah. fourteen. Yeah, I bet you're fast. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> that's actually what what uh, what paid for my university was track and field. Yeah. Yeah, I was a track and field athlete in you know, NCAA. So did you do um? So did you do rugby and and track at the same time? No. So how'd that play out? Each term. Yeah. Had its own sports. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So so term one, you had the track and field and all the cross country and the running sports. Mm-hmm. Then term two was more physical sports, right. rugby, you know, uh, hockey, that kind of thing. They had the hockey field there? Hockey. Oh, okay. Field hockey is pretty physical, man. You almost man. blew my mind right now. <laughs> no, like, no, field sure. hockey. <laughs> it's very different, but very similar. I played field hockey. I couldn't fucking field hockey. I hated it. Because you got to get the fucking stick the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, with the little curve I'm, I'm left-handed, and you only can get right-handed sticks. You yeah, that was it, man. Fuck, field hockey, yeah, yeah. I tried that Rugby sport. wasn't for me either. I hated, yeah. I hated running. Really? I was oh, I, I was a, like kind of a bigger kid. Yeah. And so I was fine skating. I played that my whole life, but they always wanted me to play rugby, right? Yeah, yeah. You're big. Of course, yeah, yeah. You play hockey, so you must be aggressive i really wasn't that aggressive yeah and they're like so we want you on the rugby team so yeah. grade eight of course i'm a boarding student so they like basically pressured me all day from like leaving boarding school in the morning to getting to school at school and then back home because the rugby coaches were all we're all like the boarding like like mass yes. boarding masters yes so i got it all day every day so finally i played rugby and i hated it like, yeah so much running yeah yeah, yeah. I, think I scored one try that year yeah i remember it while i was on the island and it's just like this is not for forget me forget this yeah and I, yeah i don't know if i had asthma or I thought I had asthma and it was yeah. just out of shape but yeah. it was bullshit well, it makes sense because yeah. it's like a lot of the biggest sports here short of like basketball mm-hmm. you know you've got an offensive team and a defensive team right. and the, you know the players cycle out a lot mm-hmm. it was like rugby and soccer right. they don't cycle out yeah. you know what I mean like you get limited number of uh, uh, sub, subs and then yeah. that's it if you play all your subs you know so it's a wrap, you know. Yeah. If a player comes off the field, they can't go back on again. That yeah. kind of stuff, you know. So it was challenging. It was yeah. so. So I can see what you mean. Where because I find the North American sports they're very cyclical. Right. Like you know the teams go on and off, and there's so much strategy. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that 
it hit me hard when I moved to the States, right? Because I was like used to being good at everything. You know yeah. what I mean? Like run track and yeah, kill it, you, you know. Kind of the all star athlete. Yeah, exactly. But the only reason I was like that was because we didn't have and most places don't have this, like that high level athlete development that you have in the States. You know right. what I mean? And it I, was sort of more of an equitable everyone plays a little bit of everything. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where, you know, it's it's like I got there and I was a sprinter, like I was a pretty decent hundred meter runner and that was my thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I ran 100 meters, it was insane. Like, I was in the back. No. You know, you're running a great time. Yeah. You run a great time, but you last, you yeah. know, and you're like, holy shit. Like, this is a winning time where I'm from. Like, how is this happening? So that was your first year of university? Yeah, my first race. So, my first race, I remember my coach looks at me and he goes, and, you know, he was point blank. He goes, I think we wasted money on this guy. Oh, no way. <laughs> yes. What an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> But that's that's university sports, right? Because right. it's all it's all strategy. Yeah. It's like a business. You yeah, know it's what I mean? way worse in the states. Than it's it's way in worse because the guy has a budget. He yeah. has got to spend it wisely. Yeah. He's, he's paying you to be on. You know, it's like a job, right? So this was my first job type scenario in North America, and I'm, it's got to pay for school, right? So I remember, I did, I will never forget it. He goes, "Yeah, I think I think we're gonna cut you if you don't perform." Holy shit! Then uh, he goes, "Yeah, these Africans. I think we can run long distances." Like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try him in the 16 and the 3,000 meter, right? Yeah. 1,600 meters, 3,800 meters. I'm like, dude, I can't run. Were you big shit. back then too? No, yeah. I was a little bit smaller, little bit but smaller. I was more of like, I had great endurance. Yeah. So I was like, coach, try me in the 400 meters. Yeah. I think I could do the 400 that meters. That might be my game. That's my thing. And I ran a couple of them like in my own time. I was like, okay, I can run pretty decent times. Yeah. And he's like, no, no. And I was like, listen, man, because I was on scholarship. I was yeah. like, listen, man, if you're going to cut me and make me run long distances, I'm not gonna run the whole semester, and you'd have paid for me for no reason. Yeah. But if you let me run this 400 meter race, mm-hmm. uh, there was a meet coming up. I was like, if you let me run the four, I'll run all the other shit you want me to run. Yeah. And I run the four, and if I perform in the four, like beyond like uh, the average standard, then cannot be my race. It's yeah. like that's fine, that's equitable. Fair enough. Yeah, and I killed it in the four, and that became my race. That's so that's a 400 meter runner. Yeah, yeah. So you're like what an 18, 19 year old kid at this point, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's unreal that you were able to stick up to him or stand up to him and say like, "Hey, like negotiate basically." Well, I had to, right? Because it's it's at the time like like as a foreign student going to states university in the states, mm-hmm. like the tuition is expensive. For shit. sure, yeah, it's double. It's, pretty yeah, much, right? it's, yeah, double, and it's an American dollars too, right? Yeah. Like I'm from fucking Zimbabwe, so, <laughs> so I had to grow up, you yeah. know. And that, that, that's that's one of the first times where I realized like life isn't fair. Yeah. Like, it's your responsibility yourself to right. make it fair. Like, you have to grow up. That's what growing up is. Right. And even the playing field for yourself. So, it was one of those times where, like, I remember sitting and going, what the hell am I going to do? Like, yeah. it's not like I can call my dad and he's going to come here and go, hey, listen. Yeah. You know, like, he's, he's not in this. It doesn't matter who he is. Like, like yeah. he's not in this equation right now. It's yeah. me and it's the coach. And if the coach says, you know, we got to cut this guy because he's eating up part of the budget and he's not performing, then I'm cut. And then school's over. Dude, that's such like that that's a perfect example i think yeah of, like, where like youth sports is at today right like now if there's a problem with the kids the parents come to the coach and say like hey why aren't you playing my kid and yep. i'm gonna threaten to you know like it's just the onus isn't on the kid anymore right? no it's not and you'll nope. you know learn days. those valuable lessons like you learn like that that potentially shaped you for the rest of your life big time. right like big time. you had to grow up you probably had that experience from boarding school right yep. where you had to grow up a little bit faster you're probably more used to dealing with adults and then yep. therefore because you had that hardship like you're able to deal and handle yourself yeah that's unbelievable yeah man i wouldn't even call it a hardship i think i think that's what's missing with most people nowadays is 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 developing that autonomy at an early age mm-hmm. you know cuz i mean 
there's no reason why in your teenage years you can't be autonomous enough to be able to stand up for yourself to a certain degree, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know this from going to boarding school, and I'm, I'm sure it, 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 it resounds in your life in certain things. To Like, if you don't like something, you go, I don't like that, man. Yeah. And it's not even about upsetting somebody or being comp- It's just like saying, I, I personally don't like that. Like, yeah. you may... Yeah, a lot of people you know? seem to be a little too deferential, right? Like yeah. Just, <clears throat> well, whatever, whatever whatever everyone else wants is good, and you know, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not thinking about me first. And like, it sounds selfish to think about me first, but like, if you're not happy, how are you supposed to exist? Like, no. How are you supposed to go through life if, if you're always worried about everyone else first, yeah. right? Unless, and this is where it gets really messed up is like unless that's what brings you the most happiness and meaning right <laughs> if you truly are one of those rare yeah, individuals yeah. that gives and gives and gives and that's where you find your purpose in life, yeah yeah right? yeah but, but a lot of us are way more self-centered than that that's yeah. that's okay to a degree no right? I, I think i think i think i think self comes before everything else because before you can really constructively give to anyone yeah. or help anyone you have to know what you're giving yeah you know what i mean and that that's that's self you have to know who you were and what you give it's like I became a Muay Thai instructor and that's what I gave. I knew that, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I prided myself on that because the last thing I wanted to do was to to give someone that false confidence where they go, I do Muay Thai and get the ad, the shit kicked yeah. out. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that. I've, and I've seen it happen where there's some martial arts guys who don't necessarily know the full, you know, mm-hmm. re- the breadth of what they're supposed to be teaching a guy before he competes and guys get hurt. I've mm-hmm. seen that a lot. It happens. It still happens. You know? For sure. So it's one of those things where I was like, you know, I... Before I started teaching, I, I needed to know all of this, yeah. you know, in great detail and capacity. And even some of the moves I didn't like, like I had to know them because just because I don't like them, it doesn't mean they, they can't exist in a spectrum of what Muay Thai is. Right. So I have to be able to teach them. So if yeah. someone likes them, they can pick them up and I have to be able to teach them effectively enough for them to be able to do them effectively in a, in a combat situation. Right. Yeah. So, so it, you know, it, I, I find itself is probably the most underrated thing lately mm-hmm. where people don't focus on themselves enough yeah and it I, I've, I've realized lately it's like it's good to be self-centered as long as it doesn't um negatively impact and affect anyone else right exactly that like that that's the disclaimer you know to say if me being self-centered means i gotta put a boot on your throat yeah then that's negative because it's affecting you drastically but if it's me saying fuck, I got to wake up at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. every morning to get to the gym because yeah. I like the way I look. Yeah. Then that's my problem because right. it's my time. You know, it's it's, it's my, it's it's all it's all based on things that I have to sacrifice and give up and mm-hmm. watch what I eat. It's all me, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's, I, I'm okay with that because at the end of the day, like, I've had plenty of people I've given great fitness advice and helped lose weight because I do these things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it works out well for me and then by virtue of it working for me, I can now say, Somebody else can go, Kyle, do you do this? And I go, well, try this and try that. And if it doesn't work, hit me up and we'll figure something out. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes total sense, right? Like as long as you're giving to yourself, not at the expense of anyone else. Exactly. Then, then, then you're set, right? And if yeah. you've got a whole self, then you can then you can start focusing and helping other people at the same time, right? 100%. My, my big thing is that every, like my problem with a lot of the way people are kind of coach nowadays is everyone's starting to say like well you are you're okay the way that you are you're you're fine the way that you are yeah it's like no that's such a bad thing to tell people because it 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 takes the expectation of improving as a human being away from them right like if you told an 18 year old you're fine like he was struggling and you know doesn't know what they want to do with life and it's like you tell them like you're fine the way you are 
Bullshit. They suck. An 18-year-old kid, for the most part, sucks. Right? Yeah. They, they're cocky. They don't know all the things they don't know. They have no life experience. Yeah. It's like, no, you're not good right now. Yeah. But that's to be expected. Yeah. And and you've got a long life ahead of you to get better. Right. Yeah. Like it's, you know, we just, it seems like a lot of people fall off that that desire to improve and grow because they get into a job or a relationship and things just get stagnant. Yeah. And, and you know, how can, how can you blame them? Life's comfortable, right? Like, yeah. Life is pretty good for, for almost everyone in this, in this country and, yeah. you know, this continent. It's just like, but we lose that hunger. So I think like to, to be able to say that you're not okay, but that's okay that you're not okay. So yeah. that's more of the message that I think. Yeah. Yeah. But 100%. it's, I don't know. You've probably seen this a lot. Like the people who've had the hardest lives tend to be the strongest people. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I think I think I think life's hard in general is just a lot of the time people don't deal with life, you know. Because part of life, in my opinion, in my experience, is is saying I want to do this, and life says, "Well, no," mm. you know. And then you got to stand up and say, "Well, I'm going to do it and do it." You Doing know? it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Suck that, it, life. Exactly, yeah. and that's and that's why I think most people lose it. You know what I mean? To go. It's hard because ultimately, I think you're supposed to do the things you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And not stupidly want to do. Yeah. Say, oh, I want to go drink today yeah. and drink all night and not have to do anything tomorrow. Like, right. that's stupid. That's destructive. But to go, if you constantly fantasize about being an MMA fighter, mm-hmm. why don't you go to an MMA gym? Yeah. You know what I mean? Try some Muay Thai, some boxing, whatever. Learn some combat sports. Become somewhat efficient at it. Get into a fight or two and figure out if you like it. In the ring, right? Yeah, in the ring, exactly. <laughs> you know, and figure out if you like it. Because really, we know so much today that it's 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 easy to do most things. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'll use fighting professionally as an example because it's what I did for the you know majority of my adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, back to the whole fucking technological information thing. People underestimate the access of information today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To go jump back 10 years in 2009 you know it's not a long time ago 2009 it was very hard to be able to take a a a 1080p video on your phone and upload it directly to youtube right. in a split second you know what i mean let alone use some of the apps we have to edit it and put lower thirds and little logo you, you can do all that on your phone today yeah you know what i mean and a lot of people are doing it on many different levels so if you really wanted to learn even brazilian jiu-jitsu Muay Thai, how to market yourself and become anything. You could do it online, literally, you know, spending two or three hours a day on that shit. Yeah. For five days, not even like seven days a week. Mm -hmm. You could become that, Mm -hmm. you know, if you wanted to. So there's no real reason why you can't become anything you want. And kind of to to come back to what talking about being a a professional fighter. When I first moved to uh, to Canada, like in 2005, Mm -hmm. and this is not a long time ago Mm -hmm. in in the grand scheme of things, but now it seems like like an eternity. <laughs> a lifetime because everything's changed right yeah. like I mean this was before Google Maps and shit dude you know so it's, like, <laughs> so it's like I remember I first moved to Canada it was in between semesters right and I was living with my uncle because he was living in Kingston and mm-hmm. his wife had just died and my mom was like oh go live with Uncle Brian you know mm-hmm. he might be a little lonely Aunt Margaret just died so on and so forth and I was like yeah for sure 
great. I hadn't seen him in a while. It made sense. That's really nice. Yeah, yeah. So I went and lived with Uncle Brian, yeah. and he was doing martial arts. I was. I always loved martial arts from watching like movies. But Bruce I, Lee, Bruce Lee, like, Van Damme, yeah, you know Van the cool Damme. stuff. Yeah. So I, but I'd never done it. Yeah. Right. I, like I, I could mimic it because I loved it so much and I was athletic, so I could like throw kicks and yeah. just from watching it. Yeah. But you had no no training. Nothing. No training. No form. I didn't know what part. Like for for me, kicks were so you hit with your foot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Punching like. You know, you swung as hard as you could and you made contact. That was punching, right? Yeah. Like, and that was it. So martial arts actually stumbled into it because he was taking martial arts with some of his coworkers. And they invited me, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And because and, I was living with him and he'd gonna be going to martial arts after work. And I was just like, okay, what yeah. am I doing? How old were you at this point? Uh, 20, early 20s. Okay, so you were like... 20, 22. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a chore for him to bring you along. Like you, no, you were gro- you were grown up. I was gro- I was grown up at the time. Yeah, yeah. So I started martial arts late. Uh, yeah, 2005, 22, 23. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was, I was like, it wasn't a chore, but it was back then in the early 2000s, which is not a long time ago. Martial arts was still very, very clicky. Exactly. Yeah, it was contained. Yeah. It was yeah. like you know, are oh, you one of us? You know, and it was very style based. Like, oh, you do this. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you're gonna click with us, man. The UFC you know? was just growing. It had just point, come up. But yeah, it, was not it wasn't big at the time. It wasn't, it wasn't mainstream. mainstream exactly. Yeah. So martial arts wasn't mainstream. People forget that in 2005, martial arts wasn't mainstream. Mm-hmm. Boxing was a mainstream sport. Mm-hmm. Like martial arts, like that was mainstream back then. Was karate and taekwondo, and that had been so diluted to to make it like a, a business. That you know, like it didn't look that appealing. Right. Like it was something kids did. Right. Like you know what I mean, as a summer camp or to stay out of trouble. And then when you became like eighteen, you were still doing karate. People were like, what the <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like beating up the kids. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, Kramer and karate. Class. Yeah, like what are you doing in karate, dude? Like you're eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Like you're still in there going, yeah, you know. Like it didn't make sense, you know. Yeah. So it was like, like to me, that's what martial arts was in my set, in my mind, right? So I remember going and I did Kali for the first time. What's that? It's a Filipino art. Okay. With sticks, sticks and knife, okay. empty hand finding, really okay. cool stuff. That was my first martial art. And I loved it. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, this is crazy, man. Because the guys would do demos live, like, shot machetes and, like, sure. sparks. I was like, what the fuck? You know, yeah. it's crazy. And the gentleman who was teaching that, he's the one who was like, dude, you look like a Muay Thai fighter. Like, you would kill at Muay Thai. You're like, a what? Yeah, and <laughs> I was like, that? Muay Thai? What is that? You yeah. know, and he's like, you watch Bloodsport? Like, fucking Van Damme, like, you fought the Muay Thai guy. I was yeah. like, dude, Van Damme beat that guy. Like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> and he's like, dude, that was a movie. Like, Muay Thai in real life is probably... The best striking art you can take, like right? Punching, kicking, knees, elbows, like that's the best shit you got. Like yeah. striking, empty hands, striking. Muay Thai is where it's at. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, whatever, dude. Like I can fight pretty well. Like mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need it. What got had me you, into it? Have you been it, in a fight before? Oh yeah, I been in street fight fights and stuff. Yeah, yeah okay. I was, I was a rowdy kid, man. Oh, okay, but so we see the the focus getting narrowed in here. We're, yeah, we're honing those natural gifts now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was rowdy because uh, I looked up to my brother. And he was like bigger, yeah. And he fought like a lot, so to me it seemed cool. That was a cool thing. To yeah, do. yeah. yeah. Like in, in hindsight, it wasn't, but boarding school straightened me out because <laughs> now I started doing sports and I stopped fighting so much. Yeah, right. And the and form six kids were just like, yeah, 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 yeah. better not, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was, I was, I wasn't in that much trouble because my brother was in form six. Yeah. So he kind of looked out for me a bit. Oh. Okay. So I wasn't in that much trouble with all the kids. Yeah, but like, legacy then. Yeah, 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 but but still got in trouble with a bunch of the other guys. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you still got beat up. Yeah. But anyway, so, um, he Boy says, guy. yeah, yeah, he says it's probably the best workout you could ever do. Yeah. And as fit as you are, 
I don't think you could do a whole class. That's what made me do it. I was like, get uh, the fuck out of here. He, he mind fucked you. Yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah. I could do anything, bro. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, so he introduced me to the guys. My first Muay Thai instructor crew, Eric. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, like, you know, go check it out. So I couldn't pay at the time. So I went, and, you know, and crew Eric, like, he let me train with him for free and everything. But I literally just had to train with the guy all yeah. the time. Like, I'm the guy who cleaned the fucking gym. Right, right. Packed the stuff up and hung that's, out with him all the time. That's what Phil did in boxing. Too, yeah, man. man. Old, old school martial arts, You got to right? really want it. Yeah, man. You know, and, and so, you know, uh, I learned, you know, and I did make it through a class. Yeah. That's why I went back. I was like, holy shit. You didn't make it? <laughs> I didn't make it through a class. Like, halfway, I was dead. You know, I was like, <laughs> almost the garbage can? Yeah, man, I was almost puking. Kid, you know, and you, everyone was making fun of me. It's like, yeah, all these muscles are useless, <laughs> you know. And I was like, holy shit, man! Like, yeah. what, so to me, I'm like, what is this? Because yeah. I could like run, fo- like at this time, I was running 400 meters in like 47, 46 seconds. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, I was that guy, but like all of a sudden, punching and kicking and knees, like I'm almost puking. You got and it's 20 minutes quick. in, you know, yeah. and there's 40 more minutes to go. And I'm like, Jesus, dude! Like, what the hell? Yeah. What are you guys doing? You know? And that's why I stuck to it, right? Yeah. But what I was going, where I was going at when I started this, back then it was hard to get into martial arts. Mm-hmm. There was nowhere where you could find fights because I remember fights were happening in little hockey rinks and little stinky little places where, like you know, you, you, it would happen on a Saturday and yeah. you know you would work your regular job all week and then have to train and then go fight on a weekend and come back and work on Monday. Mm-hmm. So that was the life, mm-hmm. you know. Nowadays it's so accessible. Like I mean, you, you could go anywhere and get fights and do this. So you know, it's like. So many things were like that, though. Like, I just use martial arts because that's where I grew up, but everything was like that. Right. And I mean, we know so much. There's people, like, if you want to do yoga now, you can go down the street and find a yoga gym. Oh, yeah. You Every know what I mean? second block, there's a fucking the, Yeah, but, like, yeah. 15 years ago, it was nothing like that. Yeah. Yoga was, like, some shit you watch on TV, and you're like, why are they doing this? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was very niche. Yeah. You know, so nowadays, everything is so open. It's like... You can do whatever you want nowadays. Mm-hmm. You literally can. Yeah. You know, and that's that's one of the things that I realized, and that's why I love Canada and North America, for example, because it's like the pinnacle of that. You can mm-hmm. do whatever you want if you actually, but it's hard work. And yeah. This is where the conversation started. Was like most people, like life isn't hard for them because they don't want to do the hard work to do the shit they want to do. Yeah. You know, and you're not appreciative of the opportunities, right? Yeah. Like, like, and I think some people have so many opportunities. There's oh, so many things dude. they can't decide what to do, so they're just. <laughs> Like, ah, uh, I'll just do whatever is easiest, right? Yeah. Like, versus actually thinking and sitting down and making a plan. Like, what would really make me the happiest or, or what yeah. would fulfill me the most? Yeah. You know, what 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 are these goals that I want to accomplish? Yeah. But I think, like, I wish I was put in martial arts when I was a kid. Like, I yeah. really wish I was because I see so many young parents now sort of our age putting their kids in things like jujitsu, And I'm like... Like just to learn that, like not only respect for the teacher, yeah. but like also to have that control of your body is just so powerful. Like I've done a couple mixed martial arts classes, and I'm like, I didn't even like know your body could move like that. Yeah, man. I didn't know how tired you could get, and to see like a proper kick versus like an untrained kick, like yeah. just to have that fluidity in your body. Yeah. And I think like too, if you want to play any other sports, having that martial arts background is going to help you in everything. It's a great foundation because, because you just have this like total awareness self-awareness yep. of your body right yep. so so you, you fought both right muay thai and then you fought mma yeah correct yeah so what was the transition like for you was that a struggle <sighs> it was a huge struggle man yeah 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 because it was uh it was more of a forced transition it wasn't something i did on purpose okay yeah so what happened was uh muay thai was i was it was getting hard to find fights mm. right uh and I did a fight here uh, for Frank Lee's mm-hmm. at uh, Northlands. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman who was announcing, 
was big into MMA scene and he worked with a couple fighters and he mm-hmm. watched me fight and he's like, dude, like, you would kill this MMA thing. Yeah, like, you, you had a good I mean? Muay Thai record, didn't you? Oh, dude, I was one of the best yeah. in, in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big place. <laughs> it's a big place. <laughs> I was up there, you know, it was it was good times. But then again, it was, yeah, great, great record. Like right now I'm sitting at a 21 and 4. Yeah. And so it was good times, man. But it was like, um, he says you'd be great because all the fights start standing up. Mm-hmm. It's your bread and butter. And mm-hmm. I never looked at it like that. To me, I was just like, I was like, uh, I was... I was doing what we just finished talking about. Mm. I would look at it, mm-hmm. and then I would see the potential, but then I'd go, man, that shit on the ground looks hard as shit. <laughs> and then yeah. I'd come up with the whole, ah, I don't want to roll around on the ground, yeah, exactly. I'm already good at this one yeah. thing. Why am I going like, go to go and... have to learn something new? Like, grappling sucks, yeah. dude. You know, like, like that's stupid. That's, that's stupid. I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, so I'd make fun of grappling. For sure. You know what I mean? I can see that. Well, that's, yeah. what, that's what everyone says about UFC, that when they, when they watch it, they say it's boring. I, I don't like them just rolling around yeah. in their underwear. <laughs> but, like, as I've started to learn more about MMA, like, you really start to appreciate the ground oh, work for the art that it is, right? Like, yeah. Like, like, yeah, the, the stand-up fighting's exciting, but yep. the groundwork's the real, like... Oh, that's, that's the real challenge, That's man. the gem, right? That's, that, the, dude, that's, that's, that's the art form. That's that's where the art is, and I think I think uh, uh, it, it answers a lot of questions mm-hmm. because that's ultimately, like, the, 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 the point of most of these fights, in my opinion, is, like, who's the best fighter? But boxing never answers what happens if... You've knocked the guy down. He's not necessarily hurt. What if yeah. you jumped on him on the ground and he, and, you know what I mean? And he switches things up on yeah. you. Like, what happens? Yeah. You know what I mean? Boxing can't answer those questions. And even then, to go like, oh, count to 10 and let him fight again. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, well, fuck, dude. Like, what if the That's guy jumped real on life. top of him? It's not, not real, real life. life yeah, right? you know? And to go like, the guy's great with his hands. Any strategic person without combative experience would grab him. Yeah, that'll be the first thing. If a guy punched me twice in the street, but I'm grabbing him, you know. Yeah, 100%. I'm not gonna stand there and try punch with him. Right. If a guy can kick, if I grab one of those, I'm gonna hold on to it for dear life and try to wrestle him to the ground, you know. So all of a sudden, MMA could answer these questions for mm-hmm. me, right? And I remember sitting that, the, the 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 conversation with Ben, like it was again, like I was like, that's bullshit, man. I want to go roll around on the ground, right. and I was like, but why, dude? Like, yeah. Can you do it? What ultimately gave you that that switch, like that where you're like, all right, I'm gonna give up this one thing that I'm really good at. Yeah. Like what what switched the realization for you? Uh, it was that same thing. I realized the the reasons I wasn't doing it weren't legitimate. Mm. I was I was I was kind of perpetuating a lie. Yeah. By saying ah, the ground shit's not for me, man. It's it's uh, stupid. Interesting. It's because because uh, again, like I'd seen guys who could fight mm-hmm. like on the ground, and to me, I was like, holy shit, man. Yeah. That's some that's some. That's some deadly shit. You yeah. know what I mean. So yeah. to me, I was like, and I, I, I look at things very strategically. I realize like that's gonna be a lot of learning. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna have to literally, you know, cut off the Muay Thai, uh, you know, down to a manageable bit. You know, maybe twenty percent of my training is Muay Thai, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. spend a lot of time on the ground. Yeah, I didn't want to do that because mm-hmm. it meant, ha- you know, going from being like a high level Muay Thai guy to being a low level grappler. Yeah, yeah, you're it's, white belt again. Yeah, that's basically. what it meant. You know, and that's that's ultimately what I was struggling with to go. Do I want to become like? No one likes to be bad at shit. Yeah, that's you know, you know that's that's probably the explanation as to why people stop growing. Yeah, because right? they get comfortable within <laughs> within their framework. Suck. They don't want to dip outside of that, and yeah. then all of a sudden have to suck at something. Yeah, right? man. But like, fuck, like if you have the humility to do that, that's pretty impressive, <sighs> dude. It was and that's crazy. where you're gonna become the best person. Yeah, that you can and be. that's what I learned from that, right? Because all of a sudden, even now, like I can roll like 
jets with most people yeah. comfortably, you yeah. know, below like a brown belt level, like mm-hmm. comfortably and not feel any trouble. So right. I love it now, right? So it, it was one of those where like as soon as I realized like, man, you're lying to yourself, man. Like you're, 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 you don't want to become a, a, a beginner again. Yeah. And you don't want to, to try it and suck at it. Mm-hmm. So you'd rather stick to the thing you're, you know you're good at, even mm-hmm. though it's, it's topped out. Yeah. It's topped out, you know, you're having one fight every like six months to a year, you know, because like uh, all of a sudden like, Muay Thai around the world was big. But I mean, as Canadian fighters, we don't have big records. We don't have big accolades of people who've defeated. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's hard to justify flying you anywhere right. in the world unless you fly there yourself and then live there yeah. to fight, you know, because in Holland, for example, that's all they do is kickboxing and Muay Thai. Really? It's big there? Huge. Oh, I had no idea. Huge. Huh. Yeah. Whoa. Most parts of Europe, like kickboxing and Muay Thai are huge. Mm-hmm. But again, like, why are they going to fly a guy from Canada, right. pay him, yeah. and there's like thousands of kids in there who fight just as good? Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. Does it, you know what I mean? So yeah. what, what ultimately brought you to Edmonton from Ontario? Oh, Edmonton, I only came to Edmonton because my parents lived here. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was at a down point in my fight career. Mm-hmm. Um, I was training with Cruelin and the Iron Tigers in Hamilton, and it was stagnant. You know, I, I looked at it and I was like, I need something more than this, mm-hmm. you know. And I talked to Cruelly and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to I'm gonna leave for a little bit, you know, and figure this out. And my parents, like, were living in in, uh, in uh, Shore Park at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, so I came here and, you know, had a chat with them because we had had a huge falling out when they became a professional fighter because I dropped oh, out of school and everything. Yeah. yeah, so they were not having it. So and I was like, hey, <laughs> I think fighting's done. I'm going to come home now. There's no league to point at to be like, look how much money you can make. There's <laughs> yeah. no GSP yet or oh, no, dude, no business. None of it existed or, at the time, yeah. right? So I remember my dad the one time, he goes, well, what are you going to do with this? I yeah. go, I don't know. I'm just going to fight. He goes, where? Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't answer these questions. I was so frustrated. Your time right? was just off. Just it by was a little real. bit. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like six years later and you would have been set. I'd have been set, yeah. you know? <laughs> so it was so funny because I remember getting it and then I moved out and did my own thing. But now I came back. I was like, yeah, I think this fighting thing is done. Mm-hmm. And he, they were so happy. Like, yeah, yeah took you long enough. Welcome back know? with open eyes. Bring back. it in. Let's do it, in. you know? <laughs> moved back home. And as soon as I got in there and, and had to work a regular job, yeah. I was like this. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just went from years of living on your on your own terms. Doing your own like, thing, yeah. So good thing I know how to tie a tie. Yeah, man. And I remember that was the hardest like switch up, right? Like you're now back at home and like mom and dad, you're in the room. This is Mukai's Jesus room now, Christ. you know. <laughs> Again, humbling, right? Yeah, man. I'm like, I remember, dude. I got a job at Walmart. Come on, really? Yeah, man. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's I did. fucking awesome. Yeah, because I wasn't driving at the time. Yeah. I couldn't drive, right? Because yeah. I, I didn't have a car. Right. Yeah. I, I, I like, I literally just come here, like, because everything hadn't like worked out well, man. Like, mm-hmm. fuck me. Yeah. You know, like I was living out of the gym and stuff. So like, you just was, sort of scorched earth when you left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it. I. Everything wasn't when I say it wasn't working out. It wasn't working out based on 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 on, on what you see everyone else doing, mm. right? Because like the position I was in, like dropping out of school and doing all these things, everyone else who was on that same uh, track, mm-hmm. like they were kind of doing something okay. They had a regular job and you know they they were doing right. okay. So I'd look and go, ah shit, man, yeah. like I could have been over there, you know? God yeah. damn, what am I doing? Yeah. But then I look on the other side and I go, when I lived. Like that lifestyle, I became such a phenomenal athlete and a fighter and a thinker because 
that's all there was to do, right? Yeah. Like I just lived like we lived like in a basement. We lived in a gym. Like mm-hmm. we just we just trained all day. Yeah, you know. And at the time, I didn't appreciate it, but now it's like I'm like sitting here and I'm like, man, I wish I could do that shit. Where yeah, I, right. Like, like you trained all day. You went all you in know? on that. Yeah, man. you know. And people get so caught up at what you're supposed to do at what point in your life instead of just thinking like, look we're not racing anyone here. yeah like it doesn't matter if i've completed school by this age or if i've if i've you know been 10 years at a company for this age yeah. it's like whatever you're doing that fulfills you the most that you think you can turn into something productive for the rest of your life whether that's teaching you a lesson or or you know put money in the bank or helping people whatever, whatever that is. is yeah and you know I, I think it's you know it's just too bad that people feel pressured and hurried yeah all the time right yeah like, definitely and i felt some of that pressure and that's 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 why i moved back home i was like man i gotta change this shit up right? yeah and I did, you know, but when I did, I, I fell right back into social structure and I didn't like it, man. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's it's like, I was like, holy shit, like, this is not it. You know Were what you I mean? a greeter at Walmart? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine this fucking <laughs> jack dude. Hey, welcome to Walmart. <laughs> no, dude, it was, it didn't agree with me. It was, it was, it was a horrible decision. I was the guy in the, in the sports department. Yeah. Yeah, and I just hung out there, right? Like, just three, did they yeah, ask you? Yeah, I was there for like a month, dude, department? and then I left, you know, and I left and I became a personal trainer at World yeah. Health. Yeah. World Health by uh, Londonderry Mall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, What's I was a personal trainer there. Bonnie Doom? No, no, Londonderry, oh. like oh. further south. I don't know the... F- yeah, know Bonnie Doom is more like uh, just off of White Ave. Right, right. Yeah, right. I was like deep. It was north. Yeah. For the North Edmonton. Okay. North, North Edmonton. Yeah. It was cool, man. I loved it. And that but, was more in, in your vein of what Yeah, you yeah, it was more of what I was doing. But again, then again it was it was it was it was a very watered down part of it, you know. Yeah. And I think I think I needed to to kinda of come home to that because mm-hmm. it really like forget this. You know, I just worked my ass off, bought a car and drove back to Toronto to, to, to Hamilton. No you way. Know? Oh yeah. You so know, you trained back there. Bounced back there, trained for a little bit, did a couple fights, and then uh came back. Yeah. Yeah, so I came back and I was like, "Okay, I gotta regroup. Yeah. I can do this." And it, like, I, I realized I was missing something. I just didn't know what. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Okay, I need to regroup. Best place to regroup. Let me go back home." Mm-hmm. So I came back home, drove back, regroup, got my shit together, and I was like, "Okay, I love Edmonton. My parents are in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I should go back to school and still train martial arts." Yeah, you know. Okay, Makes we'll sense. try that. So Something I, productive, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was into like uh, I, I was into computer sciences mm-hmm. when, I, I, when I moved here, but then I wanted to switch to architecture. Mm-hmm. So I started looking into doing uh, AutoCAD. What's that? AutoCAD. So computer aided design. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, I got. I remember I got. I, I got all the paperwork. Like applied, got accepted, everything. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know what, man? If I I can't do half and half because if I go to school, the next step after school will be to go down that location. I can't just get a degree and then, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, man, fighting is like, it's, I'm loving it. Like it's, it, it fuels me. So I put that on hold mm-hmm. and that's when I started working for gyms to train in Edmonton. I started looking everywhere. I remember I, I, I went to every gym and took a class and sparred some people and mm-hmm. left, you know, until I found a gym where, the guys could actually fight. Mm-hmm. And that's when I found Frank Lee's. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that must have given you a good sense of how the community was in Edmonton. Yes, right? it Having did. it a little bit, so you, you started to see, like, maybe there's a gap here, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I wasn't into MMA, but MMA was huge at the time. Yeah, like, but you had fought MMA at that point. I had it, no. Oh, you had it? I had it. it. Okay. No, I hadn't fought yet. So I, 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 I only fought after I fought 
for Frank Lee. So mm-hmm. when I first moved here, nobody really knew who I was or what I, or or how good I was or anything. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, again, like I I just never I was never vocal or public about it. Like I just trained and fought. Like, yeah, that, that's what we did. You're supposed to go around walking, telling everyone. Yeah, yeah you exactly. Ass, you, you know what I mean? Like, just like, <laughs> you exactly. So it I was can more. Fuck you up, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it was more about just training and fighting. You know. Yeah. And so I remember Frank Lee's, like I went to Frank Lee's, great gym. Like, I mean, I trained there once. I was like, this is the place. Like, yeah. the guys could bang. They could handle themselves. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you got into a fight at Frank Lee's. So I got to Frank Lee's and I was like, okay, let's chop it up. Let's do it. And then he booked me a fight and then the guy came and it fell through. Mm-hmm. And then the second time he booked me a fight, that's when I fought. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the gentleman who was the ring announcer, Dean Patterson, then he was like, man, you should try this MMA thing. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got into MMA. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my first fight was against a kid who could strike. It was a pretty good strike. I beat the shit out of him. Great fight. <laughs> and then the second fight was against a grappler. Yeah. And I was already grappling at the time, but... You, you know, hadn't spent years it, doing it yet. Yeah, right? yeah, I hadn't spent a lot of time into it. So it was, it was. I did a lot of growing up, like with mm-hmm. MMA, like it grew me up a lot because it, it made me realize, like, as strong as you can be in one facet, that other people with other facets they're strong in. And once you open up the playing field to all those things, mm-hmm. it doesn't take much for them to drag you into their playing field right. where you're like a, a a nobody. Yeah. So I was like, I better get good at this grappling yeah, thing no because shit. I don't want to be a nobody in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I was like, I never rolled in a, in a gi until I got submitted in a triangle choke. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. What's, that must just be like the worst feeling in the world. Oh, just dude. Get choked out in front of a crowd, right? Dude, it, What's I worse, remember, a choke out or a knockout? It's the same stuff, Same man. thing? It's because it's, it's like, when I'm fighting, I don't think about the crowd. Right. It only hits you afterwards when you know you put your little shirt on and your hat, and the guy goes, "This other guy won," and you're like, "Really? You know, that oh, guy? Fuck!" Shit, you know? <laughs> and everyone's like acting like you lost a leg or something. Yeah. Like, you know, you okay, bro? You yeah. be okay? There's life after this, you know? Yeah. I'm like, ah, fuck, you know. So I remember that triangle choke, Kurt Southern. I never forget it. And the triangle choke and tapped me out, and I was mm-hmm. the first time I was like, "Oh man, I gotta get on the, I gotta get serious about this grappling thing." Yeah. Right? And I, that's the first time I put on a gear and started training my ass off, and it paid dividends, man. So while you're doing this, like, how did you support your life? Like while you were working out, the I had a regular job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still personal training on the side, um, and then uh, I became. Um, like almost self-employed, yeah. Kind of teaching martial arts uh, and fitness, but I wasn't certified as a Muay Thai instructor at the time, so I didn't teach mm-hmm. Muay Thai per se, like as a, as a curriculum. I just mm-hmm. did elements of it for fitness, right. and I didn't open my own gym because, to me, like it, it, I didn't deserve it. Right? I wasn't. I I felt like I'd be I'd be lying if I like because right. I knew I knew I, I knew enough Muay Thai to open a gym. I could sure. open a gym and. But to me, I was like, man, like I haven't like my instructor hasn't certified that I'm okay to do this, and right. I don't feel like I'm ready. So right. you knew just, you could be better, right? Exactly. I had That's to be awesome because you didn't cop out and just take the easy way. Yeah, I right? know. I had to be better, you know. And, and but I also realized there was a lot to be to be gained from training with like actual martial arts masters, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember at the time I was training with Frank Lee and them, and after I lost, I realized like Claw Patrick was a group, is, is is another guy who uh, was part of my lineage. He trained with Kuala and he was a great UFC fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized, you know, he he was a great grappler too. So I remember some of my training camps. I spent him in Toronto training with those guys, mm-hmm. you know. And then uh, after that, uh, I realized TriStar is in friggin' Canada, man. Mm-hmm. So I did a couple training camps at TriStar, like living in the dorms and everything. It was great times, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the the the. I never knew what was out there mm-hmm. until I got into MMA because all of a sudden, you know, I could muay thai the shit out of anyone. Right. But like. 
introduced wrestling and grappling and I was I was like I was like a kid, you know what I mean? I was like a kid fighting a grown man, you right. know what I mean? So and I was it, like yeah. I know well I know that from doing a couple classes. Yeah. It's like when 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 you're wrestling with someone and like you don't even know what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to move your body. I have and no then, idea. And man. then you make one move and that's the wrong move, so they grab you and they get you a little tighter yeah. and a little tighter and yeah. you, just the world closes in it on you. It gets worse and worse, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, Fuck. And I just dude. I can't imagine having to do that over and over again. It was and over insane, again, man. Like. Yeah. And it was it was what what made it exciting for me was I'd face better grapplers, you know, like mm. and better martial artists. So I remember like TriStar was probably the pinnacle because you'd have like some of the best guys in the world mm-hmm. in one room, mm-hmm. you know, and all of a sudden on the mats, like you were just an okay guy. Like yeah. you weren't like, you know, like here, like you're on the mats and like, oh, fuck, this little guy, you know, yeah. like there is just like, <laughs> hey man, you better pick it up, you know, <laughs> like Jesus, you know, because yeah. I remember like I was really good at Muay Thai. But I remember being on the mats and the guys could keep up. I remember mm-hmm. I remember going Nodin to lab, like he was a great great fighter and he he like his Muay Thai was amazing. Mm-hmm. But he was he was a purely MMA fighter, you know. I was like, Holy shit man, like these guys can fight. Like mm-hmm. I remember even uh seeing a lot of guys before they became big, mm-hmm. like Ryan Hall, uh Matt Bassett, mm-hmm. you know, all these guys like and they were just hanging out training their asses off and they hadn't made it big yet. And I remember right. seeing them like two or three years later, like blow up on the scene like oh fuck fucking yeah. that guy I know that guy like we like I have to mess with that guy a lot you know it's great like, to see where that where all the hard work came from oh right? yeah like because a lot of people just see the over the yeah. overnight success yeah right? quote unquote yeah and they don't see all the thousands of hours that went yeah. into making that overnight success right dude it's insane when you look at it like that man so so seeing that must have given you an appreciation for what it's really taken to to, to succeed like that oh right? big time yeah. big time and even when when I I, I, I definitely consider myself a success in MMA but I never went all the way mm. you know there were guys who who, who are doing big things with it and I think I think I love it because it, 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 it lets everybody else know they can do it too right you know and, and I see kids now who are like 19, 20 and they're like I want to be like in the UFC and that's like to me that's amazing because it never even existed before a, a certain period in time like mm-hmm. you couldn't just want to be there was no UFC to be in so yeah. there were you know imagine how many kids they were who were martial arts killers mm-hmm. back then who just kind of had to go do some normal shit you know when they turned 20 22 23 and it's like well dude you got to grow up yeah. you can't you can't be on the mat all day you yeah. know and they're like yeah fuck why did you ultimately give up fighting uh i wouldn't say give up um every at a point in time it comes when you realize you have to take a different route mm-hmm. and i'd been in fighting long enough to see a lot of people miss that juncture right yeah, so for me, it was the point in time where I was like, okay, because you got to remember, I was, I started late. Mm-hmm. I started so late. Mm-hmm. So in order to, and most of it was all calculated. It's just people don't realize it. I started so late that I realized, and which is why I dropped out of school. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't do both. If mm-hmm. I started when I was 15, I could have done both because right. I'd have a great foundation by the time I was 18. And then I'd be able to, you know second dive and be okay at fighting <laughs> yeah. and be in school and do both mm-hmm. but one of them had to go mm-hmm. you know what I mean and school had a bigger depth mm-hmm. so if I and I only had one year of university left mm-hmm. so if I finished that it didn't make sense to then drop it and go a different role right so I was like okay I gotta get out of school first because it'll free up so much time yeah. and then after that I had to get a job that allowed me to 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 train mm-hmm. because now I was gonna be living by myself those my parents were like well 
can't live here yeah. doing that shit. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like you had to grow up, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and side note, Harsh reality. One, yeah, man. That's one of the things that grew me up like instantly was when my dad kicked me out because yeah. he was like, what? like I never forget because he, he, you know, when like he goes, dude, like. You gotta go, and you think he's joking, right? Like, ah, okay, man, yeah. sure. <laughs> and then he goes, and well, then he made up. a he made an itemized list of what it costs to run the house. Holy shit! And then he goes, "This is your portion." Yeah. So you can pay rent or you can leave. So oh, I was like, "Is man. this guy for real?" And I was like, "No." Then he sent me an email because the fr- first of the month came out. I was like, "I'm not paying this guy rent." Yeah. yeah. And he sent me a formal email like, "Okay, I need you gone, dude." Invoice, invoice. <laughs> not an invoice, dude. Like an eviction email. Like you gotta go. And I was like, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> I remember going to the gym like, "I need a place to live, man." Yeah. And I was reading Frank Lee's at the time. <laughs> like, "Oh, you can live with us, man." <laughs> Moved into a house. Like just the boys, you know oh, what I mean? Man. <laughs> it was crazy times, man. <laughs> it's just like shit. That's unreal. Yeah. Did that, but did that probably made. Did that bring you guys closer together? At the Way end closer together. Yeah, because it's yeah. like now we look at each other as equals, not like someone who's superior in a dominant yeah. position, yeah. right? That yeah. social hierarchy balances itself out. Big a little time. Bit, right? Yeah. That, that's what I actually learned. Like life isn't fair. It's your job to yeah. to even the scales for yourself. And he he made me realize that because. What he really was telling me was like, if you're grown up enough to make your own decisions about what you're going to do with your life, yeah. then you had better be able to support those decisions. Yeah. yeah. With rights come responsibilities, yeah. right? You, you don't get one exactly. without the other. You can't tell a guy you're living at his house, like, I'm going to be a fighter and I'm yeah. going to do all these things. I'm going to live here for free too, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he's going to look at you and go, are you crazy? You know? So he, and, and so that I learned that from that, yeah. you know? So to me, like, some people will be like, oh, you fucking dad, get your man, it's fucked up. I'm like, no, dude, like... I'm in my twenties and I'm like, treat me like yeah, an adult. I'm an and adult. That was the best like, thing. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's what you do, man. And I remember like it, now we talk about it and I say, Oh dude, that was the best thing you did for me, yeah, man. For sure. Like I grew right up there again and I realized life, like you grow up over and over. Like I remember I had to grow up into my thirties, right? Yeah. And everyone thinks it's just this like steady trajectory, right? Oh, oh, it's so many peaks and valleys. Oh, you're dude. going good, you're going ah. good, and then shit falls apart, and you pick the pieces yeah. up, and you just and you that's that's usually again, when right? you grow up, though, you know. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So yeah, man. Where so where where did the marketing come into all this? Because you you look like you're doing well in the marketing and social media strategy world as well. Yeah, it was so that came about like um, by being I was originally in computer information systems, so mm-hmm. I was fairly, you know. Um, Competent when it came to that side of the yeah. world, um, and uh, wh- where we started this conversation, when I was talking about, I realized it was time to get out of fighting. Yeah, because I had, I had hit a point where I didn't think I had any more to give. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what happens next? Do I become one of those local level guys who people go up against to mm. figure out if they're good enough to be in the show? Mm. Well, what happens? Because like I remember, I I just won like a Bazzi, like one of the Bass Rutten Awards inside MMA for mm-hmm. like Rising Star of the Year and a bunch of things that happened. But I was at the peak of my game, lost a fight, mm-hmm. and came tumbling down to virtually nothing. You know, and so it was like you're only as good as your last fight until sure. you make it, make it. At which point in time, you know, you get multiple chances to. And to me, it was rolling the dice and saying, okay, do I have enough time to make another two or three runs at this? Mm-hmm. Or do I use what I have now to establish the next 
portion of my life and build yeah. a better foundation. For sure. Right? Yeah, so it was it was it was a tough choice, man. And even to this day, yeah. you know, I still look and I go, Fuck, can I do it? I don't know, maybe I could do it, you know? <laughs> and I gotta talk to myself like, dude, yeah. focus. We got right. something we're doing here, do this. Because I realize I could do more for martial arts outside of it mm-hmm. at a bigger level mm-hmm. than I could inside of it. You know, uh, uh, that would be significant. Right. Yeah. There's a thousand fighters at your level doing what you were doing. Yeah. But instead, you've gotten this other route. And so that's obviously why you started Edmonton Combat yeah. League, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's ultimately all I went down now. So the original reason I got into business and entrepreneurship and everything was mm-hmm. I realized the reason why it was so easy to tumble as a fighter was because fighters, we weren't really business savvy. Mm. We were we spent so much time training and fighting that... For example, we didn't know how to read contracts or to formulate them or to be a part of the, you know, designing of your own contract. Right. Like to say in the UFC, for example, no fighters are present mm-hmm. and, and dictate terms for your contract. You know what I mean? They have usually have a manager who mm-hmm. does it for them. Yeah. And even that, even then, that guy usually gets a, a UFC template or this guy's template and he goes, this is what we're offering. Yeah. You take it or take leave it. Or leave it. it. Yeah. You know, so I realized that was where the shortfall was for me as a fighter and probably mm-hmm. for most fighters is they don't have enough business acumen mm-hmm. to represent themselves as a product, you know, in any organization. Right. So that's what I needed to learn because okay. I had a, a phenomenal talent. Yeah. But how do I turn it into money? For sure. And how do I turn it into money for other people? Yeah. You know, and I was like, holy shit, I need to learn business. Mm-hmm. So that's when entrepreneurship came into it because I was like, well, the best way to learn is to get into it. Mm-hmm. And I started a company with a friend of mine, Steve. He's, uh, he was big into video production. Okay. So he did video production solely by itself. And he had just gotten a new office space. And I was trying to do it all from home at the yeah. time. And I had a master working from home. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, sucking at it, right? Like, I mean, yeah, like you'd start working, go yeah. get like for an hour, yeah. eat something. Oh, yeah. PlayStation. <laughs> 5 p.m. Fuck what happened to my day. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was it, right? I was like, God damn it. So then I, I was having a chat with him. I was like, man, I'm, I'm trying to get this thing going, but I can't do it, man. And he's like, dude, you need an office. I'm getting an office space. It's mm-hmm. cheap. It's this, that. If we get one together, we yeah. can cut the cost in half. It's way cheaper. I was okay. like, dude, let's do it. Yeah. So I, was, I just got, I was doing my marketing thing and I was putting together this crazy fashion show mm-hmm. inside of a, a dealership. Mm-hmm. And he was doing his video production thing. And in looking for jobs, we realized that our two elements actually worked together to go, at that time, uh, this was 2000, late 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. you know, video was blowing up as right. like the major marketing, you know, uh, a medium. Yeah, everyone's a content creator. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you know, it was blowing up, but people were doing shitty content at mm-hmm. the time. Now it's great because, I mean... The machinery does have to work for you at a, you know at, at like that content marketing level. Mm-hmm. You know, it only you know when you get higher than that is when it, it really you know actual knowledge and, and, and technical experience makes a difference. Right. But back then it was like, oh, dude, we need to combine these because everyone either does marketing or does production. Nobody puts it in one place. Right. Yeah. So we had a, a company that just did both. Mm-hmm. So we do like you know small to mid level productions, mm-hmm. and then we take on clients and you know create campaign, execute campaign, yeah. implement it. Right. So it, it worked out well. Did you find that uh, creativity kind of came from from martial arts for you? Big time. Yeah. Big time. And 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 kind of juxtaposing it against someone who was in the field mm. um, it, it helped a lot because then all of a sudden I, I learned a lot about actual production and how to 
bring ideas to life visually mm-hmm. that I didn't know before just by working with this gentleman. Right, because everyone thinks they can shoot a video and then you pull oh, out the camera dude. and you're like, oh, I haven't thought about the background yeah. and the depth of field. Everything. And, and, you know, the time of day and all Everything. that stuff. Yeah, all so that. many factors. Yeah, right? like to me, I thought good lighting was just a bright room. Like, oh, dude, there's a light over there. Let's <laughs> the sun's shoot. out. We got great lighting. Let's go, you know? And like, no, dude. You know, and so it's like, what? You know, and then when you see the difference, like, holy shit, man, like, yeah. this is unreal. You know, even like, to see like 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 people just tweaking these little things and yeah. you're like, dude, get the fuck off there, let's go. Yeah. But when you see the difference they make, you're like, holy shit, man. Yeah. Like just having some guy standing there with a reflector mm-hmm. is like night and day. Yeah. Such an you example know? of like the, oh. the finished product isn't representative of all the work that oh, went it into never it. Is, Again, man. like it looks like an overnight success. You see a great looking video, you're like, Oh yeah, that that you, you forget how many details went oh. into that, right? Dude, and even even the like the, the, that whole the devil's in the details thing that's yeah. like it, it makes so much it, you know, it, it comes back to what we talked about earlier saying you don't know shit like yeah, when you know yeah. things it's like holy <laughs> yeah. shit so it was like I, I realized I was like holy like even just the kind of vid, like the camera and the lens mm-hmm. and the lens filter like there's so many things where you're like holy shit like yeah. I thought you just took a video, man. Like, yeah. you know, like, no. like it That's was why quoting people is so hard on things, right? Oh. So, someone asks you, how much is this video going to cost? You're like, well, let's let's start this dance, right? Because it's like, <laughs> what do you want? I can shoot this for five five hundred dollars or five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, right? you know how, how good do you want it to <laughs> be? Right? Exactly. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and you know this better than I do, so it's like that's what I got into, right? Yeah. And I, it was great because now I got to learn the ins and outs of actual business mm. without like any kind of uh, inhibitions, right? Because I, I tried to do the whole school and book thing, but like. I realized it was all theory. Yeah. It was all theory. There's no nothing better than experience. Yeah, it was yeah. all theory, right? And, and the problem, most of the theory was it didn't have a follow-up to where the guy goes, oh, all the shit in the book didn't work. Well, yeah. here's volume two, and it's like the <laughs> stuff I tried in real life that worked. Mm. You know, so now is I realized that, okay, so I'm actually going to have to learn business from business mentors yeah. and books written by actual business people who've mm. got like proven you know track records yeah so i was like holy shit and that's how i got into like like um marketing because it was like okay what's what's the missing element on on most things that why don't they why don't they sell or work well because not enough people know and buy Mm. well how do people know and buy marketing yeah you know so that's like the, the missing link in most things to go most companies will 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 fail because they just didn't sell enough shit yeah. In enough quantities to make enough money to mm-hmm. go from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. That's really just the, the the be all and end all. Like, you know, if you if you don't meet your month's obligations enough times, you go out of business. Mm, definitely. Who are your? Um, did you have any particular mentors in Edmonton? Yeah, wise? yeah. Uh, first one was Ken Franchek, uh, GM of uh, well, CEO of Crystal Glass. Okay. Great mentor. He actually helped my fight career big time because. Again, MMA like is is at the time there weren't a lot of professionals in it. Mm. You know what I mean? The professionals were the promoters, and they were making all the money. Right. Um, and because I think I think that's that's the one difference with 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 the word professionalism. Mm-hmm. I got a new found respect for it once I started working with actual professionals and trying to become one myself. Right. You know, to go before he's like I'm a professional fighter. Yeah. And it, it didn't mean anything because after when I really got into it, I like with with Ken, I realized like the professionalism in it is 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 making commitments and honoring them yeah. effectively. You know, yeah. to go people confuse professionalism yeah. with like wearing a suit. Yeah, right? exactly. It's like it's not about how you look, it's about how you treat people and yeah. how you operate, right? Yeah. Like like you said, like 
doing something and fulfilling that commitment of doing it. It's right. so big. Like yep. so many people, I'll call you on this day, never call. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yep. let's get together. And then they never follow up on yep. it, right? And, it's and, just and like, all those things, you're right, man. Those, yeah. those, those seem like little things, but I realize that is the professionalism. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like when you do those type of things, something changes inside of you and it wires you so that anything else that looks similar to that, to go, for example, if I say I'm going to get a coffee date with you, but there's no real reason to do it aside from me having committed. Mm -hmm. And I say no to that enough times. I'll build the habit of saying things that I think I have no real reason to. Yeah. Because committing is the real reason. I think I have no, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Fuck it, man. I have no real reason. Just coffee with the guy. <laughs> you know, and just never show up or never call or never anything. Yeah. You know? Everything else that looks similar to that to your brain, you'll treat it exactly the same. Mm. You know, to say anybody says, "Hey, let's do this," you go, "Yeah, sure," yeah. and never even because your brain goes, "Oh, this goes in this category." Yeah. Those things that we just never do, yeah. we'll say, "Yeah, sure," because it sounds good, and yeah. people will say, it's a "Cop out, it's easy." Right? Yeah, take it's easy. The, take the easier. Yeah, you know, you say how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah, right? man. it's so applicable. You see, so many people in their lives just like, you know, the way they treat their house or the way they treat their car. You know. The way they treat their body, everything. It's, just, it's it, it it really it really amplifies it out, yeah, right? big time, yeah. yeah. And so that's what I realized. Like the professionalism in, in any kind of professional is really like dotting the eyes and crossing the t's. Mm. It's not about like saying oh, I made a million bucks on something mm. or or I'm with this organization. It's like you could be in that organization, be probably the most unprofessional person there is. Mm -hmm. And that's why I realized just by working with Ken, like mm -hmm. who's still a mentor of mine, like, oh shit, like professionalism actually means something completely different. It's yeah. like, you know, saying to someone, I'll be there at six and then, you know, waking up hungover at like four to shower, you know, <laughs> clean up and, and get there for six versus yeah. just going, fuck it, man. Yeah. You know, I'm going to sleep in until eight and yeah. skip the six o'clock thing, mm -hmm. you know? So, and it helped a lot because all of a sudden, most people don't realize how hard it is to do anything in the morning, mm. especially if it's fitness based because you got to do it before people go to work. Yeah. You know, so I remember doing fitness classes in the morning just because I'd learned like, okay, if you say you're going to do it and you do it, people will show up and yeah. they'll train with you. And as long as you do it, they'll pay you for it. Yeah. You know, so all of a sudden, it was, I was able to do a 6 a.m. Yeah. thing, class, and this and that, and whatever. You I know? think that's so fundamental to a good day, though. Like, getting yeah. that fitness thing done. Like, not that it's just an item that you check off your list, but there is that element to it, right? Yeah. Like, we all like checking things off the list, and every task that you accomplish gives you a little bit more momentum for the next task. Yeah. Like, it's something that... that anchors your day right and yeah, it gets the body going it gets all the mental juice and the physical juice flowing and i just find like if i decide to work first thing in the morning and then go to the gym at like one or two my work in the morning is not as effective as yeah. if i get up early go to the gym first and then work for the rest of the day yeah it's like a little lethargic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. man yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah and another mentor i have uh, mike norris is great he's a great business mentor like he uh straighten me out like he's a straight shooter mm -hmm. like he's too rough around the edges for a lot of people mm. yeah but I like those kinds of people so it's right? just that hard honesty straight straight up yeah. like he just tells you like you're a fucking loser you'll yeah. say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like holy shit fuck man. maybe I am yeah but yeah. it makes you think right yeah. because like and I realize sometimes being a loser is 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 as simple as as not respecting people the way you should mm. You know, so like being a loser. Sometimes people think being a loser is this like, oh, he lives, he's, he lives under a bridge somewhere with the same. <laughs> no, being a loser, you could, you could, you could be affluent and yeah. be a fucking loser. For like, sure. And that's what I learned from Mike. He's like, dude, like that's some loser shit. Yeah. Like you know, like like you can't just do dumb shit. Like that's loser business. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. You know, and and, and I really. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just gonna say like there's loser and like winner. Like a winner, is some someone who like treats people well, succeeds. Yeah. Does things. A loser's you know yeah like you said could be in any position. Any position. It's just like no follow through, no no drive, you know, no yeah. ambition. It's yeah. like no, you're just you're a loser. Yeah. Like, I get that you're a fun person. Maybe you have a lot of friends, but you're yeah. still kind of a loser. Yeah. Right? Like you're not winning in life. I know. Because you're short sighted and you're not looking long term. What am I gonna What am I gonna be proud of? Right. Yeah. Like, back to what you said earlier about like doing the things that you want to do and that doesn't mean going out and drinking because you want to go drinking. It's like, I think the the things that you want to do are best judged by like when I'm at the end of my life and I look back, yeah. what am I going to be proud of? You're not going to be proud of a single one of those nights out drinking. I can no. almost guarantee you that. No. But you'll be proud of the hard nights, you late nights you spent working or the or, early mornings at the gym, right? Yeah. Those are things that build you up as a person versus time, tear you man. down. Big time, yeah, and that's Sorry, what I just had verbal. Oh no, that's, that's cool, man. That's, I like it, man. <laughs> like, it's, it's flowing, you know, and that's exactly what I got from 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 like uh, uh, Mike. You know, yeah. he, he, like he's just straight up. He's mm. like, listen, like even in the winner's circle, there's mm. a bunch of losers over there. For they sure. may be winners compared to everyone else, mm. um, you know, outside of their spectrum, but you know, you're not in that spectrum, so you can't say I'm a winner based on people you don't even compete with. Yeah. That's not winning. 100%. You know, it's like a lion saying, well, I could eat all these sheep, so yeah. I don't need to be the best lion in the world. And all the <laughs> other lions are like, that's a loser. That lion sucks. That lion sucks. Ah, you know what I mean? Guy. Like, yeah, yeah, he's a lion and all the other animals that aren't lions are terrified of him, but all the lions shit on him. Yeah. You know, so in that circle, he's a loser. When he mm-hmm. gets out of there, sure, he looks like a lion. Everyone's like, holy shit, it's a lion, and they run off. Yeah. But where he belongs... <laughs> With the Lions, they're like, ah, oh, it's a loser. You know? And-, well, and when you're like that, then I think a lot of people tend to find a, a peer group that that they feel more accepted in. Yeah. Because they, they're, they're scared to hang out with people who are more ambitious. So therefore, they go and, you know, hang out at the bar with someone or, or whatever because they feel more comfortable. They're like, oh, these people aren't judging me. And yeah. it's not that they're not judging you. They're just as much of a loser as you are, yeah, right? Like yeah. it's, and, and I don't say that as like a judgmental loser, but back to the more objective loser, oh, right? Time. Like it's like you're just not trying to get out there and win and, yeah. and push your life further. Big ahead, time. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's also a big thing. Like I've gone through periods where I've like not drank for long periods of time and yeah. people who are like, oh, come drinking, come drinking. You look at them objectively and you're like, oh, I see like they're not pursuing their dreams in life. So they're... They want to bring me to their level. Yeah. They want to stop me because if I all of a sudden grow, they're left behind. Yeah. And then they feel even more like a loser. Hundred percent, man. And 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 what I find interesting is all the mentors I've had, they've never actually told me not to do anything. Mm. Like whatever I've actually spoken about passionately yeah. and wanted to do this. Yeah, I could do it, man. Yeah. Like you know, they, they've never like it's only that, like the only question they ask me is if I come up with like you know, and people do this all day, come some sporadic shit. They'll go. Yeah. Well, why do you want to do that? Right. They'll ask me why, because if I can articulate and explain why clearly and mm-hmm. effectively, then then they say, okay, for sure, then do it. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, I realize, you know, I wouldn't have thought about it. It was right. just one of those whimsical things, like, oh, it would be yeah. so cool to do this one thing. You say, well, I think I'm gonna do this next, and then you're like, well, why? Yeah. And then you, you know, and then if you don't be a fucking loser, that would follow <laughs> up next. And you're like, ah. <laughs> That's I what a good that coach does, right? He makes yeah. you, he, he, she makes you think really like, because yeah. we get a million ideas a day, right? Oh, yeah. like, cool to do that, cool to do that. But then like to actually sit down and ask yourself like, is this really, what? why do I want to do this? That's why? always the starting point. That's phrase, the starting right? point, right? Why and, and is this applicable, right? Yeah. To what I want to do. It's the questions, man. And the problem is no one wants to get to the end of the, where the question leads. Mm. Because then you have. you know the answer already. You may, but yeah. sometimes it's like, 
you you uh you then have to take a stance on what kind of person you are mm. you know it's like saying for example if i say i want to sell drugs yeah see well why because mm. it's a lot of money yeah i want to make money i want to make money yeah. but there's plenty of things to make money besides selling drugs that are legal mm -hmm. have you thought about those things oh they take too much time yeah okay well so you want looking for a quick buck yeah so exactly. really the answer is you're lazy you la exactly but then you take it a step further then you go well Okay, let's say you do start selling drugs and you become a drug dealer and yeah. a very successful one. What does that make you? Yeah. What kind? Like, are you a good person? Are you a bad person? Like, mm -hmm. what, what does that make you to your core? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. <sighs> people choose to do drugs as a victimless crime. Yeah. Really? Like, that, that's like you know what I mean? Then when so it's like sometimes people are afraid to follow everything down to the last to go like this is the end of the road and yeah. go. Well, you're a bad fucking person. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be like uh, that'd be like someone going into a suicide prevention group or a suicide like outreach group and like putting a gun in the middle of the table. Well, yeah. they decided to shoot themselves. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, like have at it. You know what I mean? So I, th I think that's, that's that's one of the bigger things is is when you ask the questions usually and like you said, you know the answer and most like and, and most people know the answer to to most things that they want to do mm. and that's why they don't do it because then the answer always comes down to the same common denominator. It's fucking yeah. hard work. Yeah. You know, and we're also insecure that we're gonna to fail too, oh, right? Oh, big time! Like, that's, big time. That's why the biggest reason people don't do things is because yeah. they're worried that they're gonna fail. At yeah, them, right. So then, and, then, and then they just like you did with the Muay Thai transition to MMA. Then they they find some reason to justify not doing. Oh yeah, it. And then, oh that's that's <laughs> not a, that's not applicable. Oh, yeah, I know. And not they for shoot me. it down, right? Yeah. And, I, and I, after that, I don't shoot down anything. I I now it's like sometimes I go through like a period of months where I'm just asking bunch of questions based on one thing I want to do like yeah. and answering questions and but mm -hmm. when I when I execute it it goes it goes fucking epically yeah. you know it took some time but it, mm -hmm. you know and it, it was hard and there's some things do though right oh dude it's, it's, it's nothing easy and nothing worth doing ever comes easy oh right? it's hard stuff man and it, it's 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 being it comes back to what we talked about at the beginning that self you know to go now I know myself so well, I can know when I'm giving myself a bullshit answer. Mm -hmm. Like, you use the same answer to people externally and they'll, yeah. they'll buy it and fucking, oh, that makes so much sense yeah. and be okay with it. But when I give it to myself, I go, yeah, you I know, man, bullshitting <laughs> right now, you know, and you go, ah, fuck, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm afraid right now, yeah. you know, and then you go, okay, well, fuck, what are we afraid of? Right. Then we go and do that thing. So, so, <laughs> how, so tell me a little bit, little bit about Edmonton Combat League. So what is the league exactly? Uh, so Edmonton Combat League was something I came up with to to facilitate amateur fighting, mm -hmm. but to give it a a silver lining where the, the 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 participants can actually feel what it's like to compete at a at a legitimate level. Okay. So we always have like the professional hand wraps, yeah. dope gloves. We give the guys like this shorts. You know, we always video like we have um um like a high-end video done of the, the thing, like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? We take the great, the best photos, yeah. you know what I mean? They weigh in the night before we do an official weigh-in, yeah. like, we do, we do everything the way they, they see it done at the high level, mm. you know what I mean? To get them primed for it, Yeah. if that makes any sense, sure. because I realized that's what I was missing when I became, like, a, a professional fighter. I went from fighting in, in hockey rinks to fighting in stadiums under like you know some seriously bright lights mm -hmm. and, and high expectations like mm -hmm. that you know what i mean yeah there was no in between interesting yeah it, it just didn't exist right like boxing has a great facilitation like uh to, to from amateur to professional you know because mm -hmm. most professional boxers have fought at like a 
a national level or gone to the Olympics. Right. So they know what it's like to have mm-hmm. to do all these things at a high level. Mm-hmm. There's hundreds of thousands of people sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, in amateur fights, sometimes there'll be 200 people in the room. Yeah. You know, go to a professional. I remember my first professional fight in the States. As it, 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 we did it in Florida in the friggin' arena with like five, six thousand people. Holy shit. It. You know, it was it was just like that. Yeah. You well, know? you should practice how you play, right? Like yeah. You should simulate that game. All of it. Right? You know, and, and it, it, it's, you don't think it plays a factor until you, you do it, some kind of high level competition. You mm-hmm. walk into a room and there's, even the ECL stuff, you get six, seven hundred people. Like, mm-hmm. you don't know what seven hundred people in a room looks like until you have them in a the room and you're like, right. holy shit, there's a lot of people and they're like chanting and losing their <laughs> shit. Like, you know, and like yeah. the fireworks go off and the guy walks out, you know what I mean? Like that is like, holy shit. Like, right. You know, so it's a, it's an event based, uh, company. So yeah, you, yeah. You basically put on these, these fights and events and stuff. How often do you have them? Uh, I try to do quarterly quarterly. Yeah. I try okay. to do quarterly. So it's been great so far. We've done our first seven. Yeah. Yeah. And they've been great. You know what I mean? It's, where are they mostly? Uh, they've been at the ranch so far. Yeah. Yeah, we were at the ranch roadhouse. That's wild. Oh, it was so, amazing. So people can get drinks. Yeah, you can drink and, and watch yeah. and they've got a great, because they do concerts, right? Yeah. So they've got a great setup for events. So mm-hmm. they've got multiple television screens. Yeah. So we plug into that. You know, it's a great venue, man. So it, yeah. was, it was phenomenal. But now the next one is going to be at the Heritage Amphitheater. Okay. That's going to be a great one. Where's the Heritage Amphitheater? Uh, Hall of Park. Okay. Yeah, September 12th. But then, uh, like, to come back to the ECL, like, it was... It's, diff- it's, it's interesting to see what happens to a person when you put them in a role, mm. you know? To say, a lot of these kids, once you put the hand wraps on them and they got the shorts on and they look professional, yeah. they usually act the same way when they fight. So they, they fight phenomenally, man. Really? Yeah. So they step up to the occasion. They step up to the occasion. It's right. crazy. You huh. know, and, and, and that's what they love about it. Like, I talk to a lot of them and go, dude, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, I feel great. You know, it's like, it's amazing how someone feels when they see what they... They dream come to life, you know. Because right. I realize there's a lot of kids who like watch UFC and mm-hmm. boxing, and they spend, uh, you know, every free time they have watching Muay Thai fights on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, when they get the chance to sit and get their hands wrapped, and it's like the professional tape with all the, yeah. you know, because we use um, um, I can forget the the, the 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 company, but they do professional like level fights, and yeah. it's got like the the you know UFC's got the own UFC tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've same thing. So these kids like you, they just like you like you know they you can just see them like holy shit. Like, what what are the age ranges of the kids you have fighting? Uh well, I, I want to be able to facilitate everybody from like you know five six years old to like but right now we do eighteen and up. Okay. Yeah, there yeah. must be a lot more that goes into it if they're kids under. 18, yeah, yeah, when they're younger. So we're trying, we're getting, we're getting into. So that's where, for example, like this coming uh, on the twenty seventh of July, we're yeah. doing a Canadian national tournament. We partner up with the World Kickboxing Association. Okay. one. So that one's gonna have a lot of, uh, 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 you know, youths in it. So we're gonna have kids as young as seven, eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's now, gonna be the first time for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that so one's at Nate, right? It's at Nate. Yeah, yeah Nate Arena. So that is gonna be a time to like really see like. Is it worth it, you know? And how do you structure it when when I take it from being a national tournament with World Kickboxing Foundation mm-hmm. to putting it in a in a in an event based format in a in a fight night, mm-hmm. you know? To go, what ages can I use and what kind of rule set are we going to be looking at using? You know, how mm-hmm. do we structure it so it's safe for them to, to actually get in there and and have fun and and you know? So what I'm looking to maybe do one or two, you know, uh, fights with children on mm-hmm. the twelfth, but mm-hmm. 
that's still up in the air until I, I, I kind of get a feel for it, you know, on, on the 27th. Because, yeah. again, like, the last thing I want to do is put, you know, kids in this and, and they get hurt. <coughs> yeah. So safety is always number one. It's an interesting one because, like, when you think about two adults fighting, like, you think there's no real resistance to it. But there is a subset of people who think fighting is barbaric. And then when you when you dial back that age to, like, a 12-year-old, you're <laughs> like, holy shit, you're letting 12-year-olds fight yeah. each other? It's like, well, how else do you think you learn? Like, yeah. that's... You get into it, right? You get yeah. into the sport. You take the proper preca- oh, precautions, but but dude, I I I have no idea why people are so uh, uh, against fighting. I think fighting is 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 a necessary part of life. Um, you grow up in a fight. Now, fighting under you know strict guidelines, right? Competitive mm-hmm. guidelines and rule sets for sure. Not just random, you know, ass kickery. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, I think. I think introducing children to to competi- competitive institutions, fighting, whatever, where someone actually wins and loses, and they learn that based on the the amount of work I did leading up to this, you know, guarantee you know uh, increases uh, the 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 potential for my success. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen situations where people will fight and someone will lose, but nobody loses because both people were like in peak condition, peak mental condition, right. peak physical condition. The fight was so close that, you know, you could have it three or four times and it'll go either way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in those situations, I've never seen anybody hold their head down. You yeah. know, they come out of it, they they become a better person, they move on to do bigger and better things. And especially in kids, because for me, martial arts, like I discovered in my 20s, but after I discovered it, there's certain parts of my life that changed drastically because sure. I just I just didn't feed them any more energy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I looked at it and like you said, I was like, man, I should have been doing this since I was fifteen. Like yeah. the trajectory of my life would have been yeah. completely different. Without a doubt, like the, the benefits of a competitive environment in which you learn discipline oh, and, and, and self respect and respect for other people, all that, without a doubt. That makes sense. Those are all the positives. Yeah. But it does come back to for a lot of people, I think, the head trauma. Of sports, right? And despite all the precautions you can take, there is that risk oh, in, in a combat, yeah, yeah, in a you know combat sport, yeah, yeah. So I think that's where the resistance comes to a lot of people. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think some of the most long-term exposure to damage actually comes more so from the training than the actual fights, right? Yeah, people, the training. People who are sparring too much versus working on the technical elements, so. right? So I, I think that's probably a misconception that as the sport continues to grow could get cleared up for a lot of people right oh big time and i think i think that's ultimately what it is and i think that, and that's part of what edmonton combat league is is trying to do is to educate people about this sort of thing mm-hmm. because i got to grow up inside of martial arts so to me it, it makes sense but what i find interesting is now when i do like ufc events mm-hmm. there's people who have never trained a day in their life mm-hmm. but they can talk to me on the same level of right martial arts. so they got the knowledge they got the knowledge there. They yeah haven't done they, it. they haven't done it physically so they couldn't fight Word shit yeah. if they got into a fight. Yeah. But if you talk about it, like they actually like some of them know more than I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? They go, oh no, this fighter's this way and that way, and 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 I'll go, fuck, that actually makes sense, dude. And they go, yeah, like fuck, I love this guy, you yeah. know. And I'm like, wow, martial arts is every so people understand it now, you know, mm-hmm. to the point where it's it's I love it because it's like it brings everybody together. Like when I do like UFC parties, I'm probably 
one of two or three fighters in there and there's like 40 people yeah. and we're watching the fights but everybody knows what's happening yeah. and everybody's got their favorite fighters they know moves they, yeah. could, they, they a guy could be in a submission go oh shit he's not getting out of this he's gonna have to do this this and this and, and they'll tell you and yeah. you're like holy shit man like, these guys know they know this yeah. stuff you know so what are these parties that you throw these UFC parties I do it at uh, uh, the casino Grand Villa Casino okay yeah 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 it's like usually it's, it's like a private event like like, yeah. like like for people I know but I usually it's, it's open to the public as well so yeah yeah. And what are you going to do? Because July 27th, you're th- throwing the National Kickboxing Champion. What? It's UFC. UFC yeah, as well. yeah. I'm going to go to the UFC. So that's, yeah. That's, oh, you're going to UFC. I'm going to the UFC. <laughs> How's that, then, is that a good card? Oh, it's, 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 they're all great cards because now it's, it's, I remember, too, it's, it's crazy when you think about martial arts because if you remember old school UFC was styles. Yeah. You know, you'd have yeah. a karate guy and a Muay Thai guy and a sure. this guy and it was styles. Yeah. Now it's actual martial arts, you yeah. know, and it's, I find it interesting because all the guys who are training right now, they don't, they don't train Muay Thai. Mm. They kick and they punch and they throw elbows and they grapple, you mm. know? So all of a sudden, me as a Muay Thai fighter, I've got a stance, I've got a rule set, I've mm. got this, I've got lots of things that stop me from being... Uh, a more complete fighter because right. now I completely negate the ground elements mm-hmm. and I just get into like a traditional Muay Thai stance and yeah. I fight. Whereas a lot of the guys are throwing all the Muay Thai technique from like a hybrid MMA wrestling slash grappling stance that they can strike from yeah. and they can throw the kicks and the punches and the knees at right. the same capacity. But mm. they take out maybe a third of the moves that don't translate. Mm-hmm. So they don't have, like, for example, the Muay Thai where the guy's heavy on his back foot and he toe tap in. Yeah. And it goes out the door because, guess what? There's takedowns here. So you can't afford right. to have that narrow of a stance right. and, 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 you know, transition your balance that much. Yeah. And they take out a lot of the elements that just don't work for MMA. And all of a sudden, you have guys who are able to throw haymakers, but they're like clean punches. Yeah. You know? If you put him in a boxing ring, a boxer would probably beat him, mm-hmm. but he would do okay. Yeah. Back in the day, it wasn't like that. So now you've got guys who know how to punch, mm-hmm. they know how to kick, they know how to throw elbows, mm-hmm. they know how to fuck throw knees, yeah. they know how to grapple on the floor. Yeah. Like they can all wrestle. They, if you put them in the Olympics, most of them would lose. Yeah. But if you put them against like you know a, a university level wrestler, they'll probably hold their own. They may yeah. not win all the time; they'll right. hold their own. But if you put them in an open fighting environment, mm-hmm. you know if you can't wrestle, they got to punch with them. Yeah. If they go to the ground, the rest of they'll try and grapple and choke him. Right. You know, so so it's all of a sudden you've got like a a a point in time now where every fighter is pretty well rounded. Right. You know, you don't. So you've diluted all the disciplines a little bit to to form more this this new thing called yeah. mixed martial arts, which yeah. is in and of itself its own martial art, right? It is. But so you you've diluted each of the disciplines a little, but you've made an overall more lethal fighter. Right? Oh, big time! So you take you said like oh you take an MMA fighter like now the top of the guy and put him against a wrestler or a boxer he might not win he could probably hold his own but you take those same wrestlers or boxers and put them in a no holds bar MMA yeah. fight the MMA fighter is winning every time every time hundred yeah. percent of the time yeah you know and that's the situation where it's whereas back in the day it wasn't it wasn't quite like that right because you'd have guys who could like tank Abbott and those mm-hmm. type of guys they could swing punches mm-hmm. but if you put them in a boxing match. Every boxer would kick his ass. Yeah. He couldn't box worth a damn. Yeah. You put him in a wrestling match, same thing. You put him in a jujitsu match, same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you put him in like, but now you take, for example, let's say um, a top 10 fighter, like let's say Wonderboy, great mm-hmm. karate guy. You put him in a karate match, he kicks ass. Put him in a Muay Thai fight, he hold his own. You put him in a BJJ match against like a, 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 
an average, globally average brown belt to black belt to hold his own. You put him in a wrestling match against like, you know, a, a globally good, not like phenomenal, but good wrestler. He'll hold his own, mm. you know. But really, he's a karate guy who's a mixed martial artist. Right. But, you know, the training is so diluted, like you said, and it's so condensed. And it takes out all the unnecessary elements that they become phenomenal athletes, man. Yeah. So I think, and it's still young right now. So I think in the next 10 years, like, what it's going to look like in 10 years, yeah. it's going to be, it won't, it won't even look like the same sport. It's going to be unreal because they're all going to just get better at all those Way elements, better. right? Yeah, because you got to remember, like, MMA... The first batch of kids who are training pure MMA, so to go, they get in an MMA camp when they're 12. Mm -hmm. You know, that batch of kids is probably just hitting their 20s right now. Right. You know what I mean? And like, they're just getting started. Yeah. You know, never mind when they fought in MMA organizations around the world for the next five years and refine that shit yeah, in yeah. competition and then 25, 26 and mm -hmm. they prime and they hit like the UFC and Bellator and 1FC and. All, like it's gonna be phenomenal to watch, man. I cannot wait. Do you think? Do you think uh, the sport loses a little in in the sense that like you're not getting the heritage and tradition of these other disciplines like you would in the past? Like like Muay Thai is obviously really rich yep. and deep history, as is Jiu Jitsu, as is Karate, and all these all every discipline's got a pretty rich history, right? Big time. But MMA is kind of this new thing where you're almost just like. Hey, I like that, and I like that, and I'm taking this and that. Like, it doesn't really have that long tradition, um, you know, or, or its own traditions. Yeah. Is that, do you think that's going to evolve over time so that in maybe five decades it does? I think it will, but I think at the same time, um, MMA isn't going to overshadow all the traditional sports because the way people are wired, you can never do two things effectively at the same time. Mm. So most people start with a foundational element Yeah. to go even if, so let's say there was an MMA gym today that opened down the street and they teach MMA, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. What could they teach in enough frequency for you to pick up effectively? Right. So if you say, for example, Monday's Muay Thai, um, Wednesday's BJJ and Friday's wrestling, that means you're only doing Muay Thai once a week, mm -hmm. four times a month. That's mm -hmm. not enough to pick it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you still think the most effective way to train is to train deeply in in, in the major elements. Oh, for sure. Need. But but it's like it's gonna it's almost like cyclic training. Yeah. You know to go there's there's going to be children, for example, who are able to do a Muay Thai gym and a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu gym, mm -hmm. not at the same time, but they build, for example, the foundational element in Muay Thai, yeah. and they do it from the time they're let's say twelve till fifteen, three mm -hmm. years. They compete once or twice, then they do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as a as a secondary. Yeah. But he's also doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm -hmm. Now he may start BJJ when he's let's say fourteen, mm -hmm. but he's already has you know two or three years of Muay Thai as a foundational element. Now he's adding the BJJ onto it, yeah. and then he may even be able to leave the BJ the Muay Thai temporarily mm -hmm. to become better at the BJJ. But his foundational element is yeah. going to be that Muay Thai slash kickboxing. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's a that, really interesting, like yeah, like process of layering on these yeah. different these different elements, right? Yeah. Like, and so you could get two guys who say are you know both experts in in BJJ and, and Muay Thai, but one might have started with the other, and the other the other way. And, yeah, and and their styles could come out really different, right? Way different. Yeah, but the one, but they're both BJJ black belts, and they can fight at a at a you know high level in Muay Thai. Well said. Mm -hmm. And he, I, I like even the term use layering because that's yeah. really what it is. Because if you look at like let's say GSP, mm -hmm. originally he was a karate black yeah. belt, 
originally, if you if you dial it back to the, he was a, but yeah. I mean, how much karate, traditional karate, do you see him use? Right. You know, his karate kind of morphed into yeah. taking out all the traditional karate elements, and mm-hmm. it looks like Muay Thai. Yeah. He may not be a Muay Thai fighter, but he can hold his own against most Muay Thai guys in yeah. the 175 division. Yeah, karate helped with the bullies for him. Yeah, exactly. But it didn't help in the ring. <laughs> no, it didn't. You know, but but it was his foundational element. Yeah. You know, and by 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 that, he's a great striker. Mm-hmm. Like GSP, GSP is a great striker. Yeah. But then you know he was able to add on the wrestling, mm-hmm. the BJJ. Yeah. Now you know I, I'm not sure what rank he has in BJJ, but before he had a black belt, he could fend off most black belts right. easily. Yeah. You know, in a BJJ match. Now, mm-hmm. add some striking into that. It didn't stand a chance, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who's, That's who's your favorite in the sport right now? Right now? Yeah. Zabit. Zabit? Yeah. Yeah. Great fighter. Who's uh, Who's he coming up against next? I don't know who's fighting next. I haven't uh, I haven't had time to look at it because I've been so busy. Yeah. But I like him because he kind of embodies what I just been talking about. He's such a complete fighter, mm-hmm. and he's able to to put it together. So when he's at the distance where you use your straight punches, mm-hmm. that's what he uses. But then he can transition into using his hooks and elbows and kicks mm-hmm. or into takedowns and grappling. He can do both. You know what I mean? Okay. But then he's so dynamic, he can do like those Anthony Pettis style cage kicks effectively. Mm-hmm. Not like, you know, that looks stupid. Yeah. Like he'll run off the cage and kick a guy yeah. or miss by an inch and go, holy shit, that would have decapitated. Right. So he's you creative know? too. He's very creative. So yeah. he's, he's a guy who... He's not a Muay Thai guy, mm-hmm. but he can throw like slice and dice type elbows if you put him close enough. Right. And if he does, it's just as good as a Muay Thai guy. Who's your favorite of all time? Oh, all time would have to be. It's a toss up between GSP and uh, Anderson Silva. Nice. Yeah. Nice. But at one point in time, I was a huge Rich Franklin fan just because of the underdog story. I'm like yeah. a huge underdog fan. Yeah. You know, as a huge Rich Franklin fan, I like I like the story and I like I like the way he transitioned into who you like you know into like, you know, a sick fighter. Yeah. Who like exposed a lot of the greats. Mm-hmm. You know, but then fast forward to today, I remember watching his is in the in the, it, him getting inducted into Hall of Fame. I was like. His striking looks garbage compared to the kids who are in there right now. <laughs> yeah, how quickly it evolves. Yeah, right? man. How quickly the kids see, like, oh, I could do that better. Right? Yeah, man. Yeah, like, if you put him in there today, he'd yeah. be, like, less than mediocre, man. <laughs> I was at, we were at, um, we were at UFC headquarters in, in Vegas. Yeah. And we were, um, we walked down this one hall. It's got all the Hall of Famers and all these, like, like legends of of UFC history, right? Yeah. And to see like the bodies evolve over time oh, is man. too Even is hilarious, right? You like Even back, that. back in the early nineties, you got these guys with the big mustaches and hairy <laughs> chest. They look like they're straight out of WWF. Yeah, right? man. And then it gets like more into the cut, and then you get the GSPs and the Bisbings right? and you know and the Tios and stuff yeah, like that. Even guys like Bisping, he's 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 probably one of my top you know uh, favorite fighters because. You got to watch the guy grow up into who he is today. Yeah. Remember, he was on the show as this cocky, fucking brash, <laughs> you know, and, and he wasn't that good on the show. He was yeah. pretty. He was. He was. He had. He was like. He had great potential. He won that. He won that. He won it. Yeah. You know, he had great potential, and then when he got in, mm-hmm. it was like you never would have said this guy's going to be a champion and he's going to beat guys like Luke Rockhold and beat and you wouldn't have said that. Like if you if you looked at Bisping on the show, yeah. you you'd be like, yeah, this guy's going to get in. He's going to get the yeah. shit kicked out of yeah. him. He's going to get humbled and yeah, he's sent be. back to the UK. Yeah, yeah. and he, that's not what happened. He got in there and he he kept his brash attitude, yeah. but he actually like buckled down and became a legitimate. 
kill him, you know? Because yeah. he, he was hungry, man. Yeah, he was hungry. He was, Shit, dirt, he was dirt poor. Yeah. Like, he was living in his car with his girlfriend, his oh, kids. Like, like, he had nothing. Yeah. Right? Like, there's a story, too, about... Um, he went after he won the UFC uh, Ultimate Fighter. He went back to the UK. Yep. He hadn't had a fight in the UFC yet. He signed his contract, but you don't get paid until you have a fight, yeah, right? Yeah. So Christmas is coming up, and Dana White calls him, and he's flat ass broke. And Dana goes, "How are you doing for money, Mike?" And he goes, "Oh, you know, Dana, I'm good. I'm good. Things are good here. You know." He's like, "Cut the bullshit. I know you're broke. I'm sending you a check." Yeah. So Dana sent him a check for 10k. That's and, awesome, man. And save Christmas for Mike. That's but he, awesome, he was dude. a guy that like, and you know, it's funny because like we got to spend a lot of time with him for the documentary. And yeah, yeah, yeah. From the outside, from the casual observer, you see him and most people go, oh, he's kind of a jerk and he's an asshole, he's brash and he's cocky and whatever. And then even from the outside, if you watch a little bit closer, you start to see more of his personality, his real personality. Yeah. And then it's all just a game. He knows how to promote. He knows how to, he knows how to, um, you know, hype up a fight basically. Yeah. And then after us having spent real real time with him you see where it all comes from we spent right. time in his hometown in, in England yeah, yeah. and talked to his friends and his family his sister and you realize like man like if he had one fault it was being too loyal Right, like the only dude. fights he got into were because he was sticking up for people yeah, yeah, people yeah. were getting taken advantage of and you see like he's you know, he's got this Cinderella story. How can you not be a little bit like, you know, I'm the best. I am the best. Like, fuck you. Yeah. There's a great story about him uh, when Dana came to the auditions in the UK for The Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. And he walks right up to Dana. He goes, Dana, White, nice to meet you. I'm Michael Bisping. Just so you know, I've knocked out that guy. I've knocked out that guy. I've knocked out that guy. He had already knocked out all these guys that were auditioning for yeah, the yeah, UFC. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm your guy. Like, yeah, I know yeah. it. That's awesome, man. See, but I like him yeah. because... I've never actually thought he was he was like a uh, uh, arrogant or, or a piece of shit or anything. I've just thought like because I didn't know who he was. Yeah. I was like, yo, this guy's like he's a little brash. Yeah. He's very rough around <laughs> the edges. But the shit he talks, like yeah. when he talks, it's yeah. it's real shit. Yeah. Like you literally say, oh, this guy sucks because one, two, three, four. Yeah. Where some people see, oh, he's not the best athlete in the world. Like, and he goes, no, this guy sucks. This yeah. guy's a loser. Yeah. And I like that about him because most of it, 90% of the time, he's very accurate. You know, yeah. because, and I think you need people like him in uh, in something like MMA. Because mm -hmm. MMA is, again, like we talked about, it's one of those things that was really an us thing. You know, mm -hmm. like, oh, you can't come to the MMA thing. Yeah. You know, it, it, until it became huge. You know, and and you need guys like that because they, they not only normalize it, but they they're able to talk about it technically enough yeah. at the level that most people can mm -hmm. can understand. Yeah. You know, whereas if you took like a, an Eddie Bravo or one of those high level guys, mm. they're moving so quickly in their head. Yeah. You know, they could teach you amazing technique. Yeah. But to explain it to a casual observer right. would probably frustrate the shit out of them. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? You need people to dumb it down for guys yeah. like me who never practiced yeah. and never, never got into Exactly, it, right? like a Bisbing, yeah. uh, Rashad Evans, yeah. you know, Kenny Florian. Yeah. And I wouldn't say, dumb it down isn't even the right word. I think it's just... Translate it. Translate. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Translate it, you know, yeah. to, because they came from being fans mm -hmm. Into becoming the real deal, for sure. You know, so they they can translate it. They can go, oh, you, oh, it's a pressure choke. Yeah. You know, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's cutting off blood flow to the carotid artery, and he's, whereas the technical guys will go, put your hand here, put your hand yeah. here, and fucking squeeze. You know, <laughs> and you don't know what's happening. Those guys can't explain that, so it's good. What's your thought about the showmanship in the sport? 
Like, you got a guy like Bisping on one end, and then you got a guy like GSP on the other. And it was fucking fascinating (laughs) to see the two of them go at it last year, right? Like, it's a, I think you need it. hmm. It's a, it's good because, again, there's some people who don't know about MMA. Hmm. They would love it. But the representatives of MMA aren't always the most likable or or palatable characters to Mm go. When he was Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell and those guys, yeah, you know who were the representatives of MMA, like the they, Ice Man. And yeah, the you know, Bad like Boy, right? like it's 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 one of those things where like a they're, corporate they're guy, unrelatable. Yeah, a corporate guy. Yeah. Go, I'm not gonna watch a guy in yeah. board shorts that are firing them, kick yeah. the shit out of another guy called the Ice Man. Like, yeah. you know, like I don't know, like, cool I, Maverick. Yeah, I, I got better things to do, man. I'm gonna watch the game. You yeah. know, I'm gonna watch NFL today. Yeah, you know, but all, all of a sudden, when you have a guy who can actually put on his suit, get up there, yeah. and talk smack, and yeah. you know, you can see him on Sportsnet and go, "What the fuck is this guy talking about?" <laughs> you know, and get interested. You know, it it brings new viewers to the sport who go, yeah. "Wow, showmanship exists." And the actual physical talent is amazing. Yeah. This is something worth watching. Yeah, and then to know that those guys have a story that underneath all that, yeah, too, right. Like for me, a guy like Conor McGregor is a perfect example. He was great, man. Like I, I, because I, I think I told you, like I don't follow MMA, or at least I didn't follow MMA that close until working with Bisbing. But yeah. now I, I have a much closer eye on it. But a guy like McGregor, who he kind of hit his pinnacle before we started with Bisbing. I was aware of him and I watched his fights and I right. saw his press conferences and I was like, this guy is next level. And like, as like someone who's got Irish heritage, I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah. I kind of like, you know, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. Like you the Irishman's being yeah. successful. Yeah. But I didn't know anything about it. I didn't really think he was a good guy, right? Then yeah. I watched his documentary, Notorious, right? Yeah. And that really made me change my mind on him. I'm like, wow, yeah. okay, like comes from nothing. Like total unfaltering self-confidence. Oh, right? big time. That's how we got there. That visualization and the belief in yourself. Yeah. And, and like despite the losses, doing what you say you're going to do, like all that stuff. All so, of it, man. So I think like now we're at a time, and you know this with video production, like we can dive so deep into these incredible stories. You can tell it the you right can way. tell it. And people can find it relatable no matter if you're like, you know, whatever walk of life you come from. Yeah. Whether you grew up poor, you grew up unathletic or athletic, there's all, there, everyone's life has a little bit of something that you can relate to. Big time, man. And, yeah. and even Conor McGregor, I think the only downside to him was that he was brought along too quickly. Mm. Other than that, you, you know, I love this presence. I love this shit talk. Because yeah. he was brought along too quickly. And and I think the reason was because when he was in it, there was no real mega stars. It's mm. DSP had just retired. Mm-hmm. Silver just broken his leg. Mm-hmm. And Jones was suspended on yeah. some bullshit. Right? So, so there this was, void. Yeah, this void. And he, he was the perfect filler for it, yeah. you know? Because no one else had really like a great personality. Bisping was commentating because yeah. they just done the Fox deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think they kind of put him into the spotlight because you needed somebody to carry the show until the big names came back. Yeah, for sure. So well, he was, he, he was also rushed. like, cause he grew up poor, right? Yeah. Like, so he actually, I just listened to a podcast with him and Tony Robbins. Yeah. And he talks about, he's like, look, like when I was younger, earlier in my career and even like up until a few years ago, he was all about like flash and cash. He was all about like the, like the material goods, right? right. See his clothes and his cars. And he was really proud of all that stuff. Yeah. And he's like, now I realize like that's all bullshit. Yeah. So I think he came up like, he was mature in the sense he he didn't have much and he had to like fend for himself. 
but he was immature in the sense he didn't realize like what's truly meaningful in life. Right. right? So he thought those were the, it's like, you know, no different from someone coming up like a professional athlete in any sport, right? All yep. of a sudden they're buying things or, you know, hands out, hand out to all their boys from, you know, from back home back and their the day, family yeah. and their entourage and stuff. Yep. And they realize like, fuck, it's not about the watches and the cars and all that stuff. It's about like, There's it's about build, it. building an empire so you can yep. sustain yourself and the people around you long term. Legacy, right? man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's it, and 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 that's that, that's ultimately what I think happened with him, right? Like I think, I think he would have been a much better product if 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 they had taken the time to to teach him that mm. before, you know. Mm. And then, because imagine him like having fought through the ranks, yeah, and then being the double champ, not the way he was, but like, you know, he legitimately got that one forty five belt, but mm. to fight for the one fifty five belt without having beat anyone in the division. Mm-hmm. You know that was rushed. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would have rather seen him like knock out or, or knock two or three guys off the ladder. Yeah, get the fucking um the fight. You know the, the the momentum and the knowledge and and the experience, and then fight Eddie because he can beat Eddie Alvarez, man. Mm-hmm. He, I think I personally I think he can beat any of the guys at one fifty five, but that's not the point mm-hmm. because the point is. Once he beats them, what does he do next? Yeah, and that's the that's where he's at right now. Yeah, you know, because you can't go backwards. The, yeah, right? you can't go yeah. backwards. So now he's, he can't say, "Well, I want to fight all these other guys again." Because well, you do change sports. Yeah, <laughs> he's got to. That's why he did boxing. Because all of a sudden, by doing it the way he did, he got a lot of cash real quick. Yeah, but he also put everyone else. Yeah. Who's eligible to fight him out of his pay bracket? Mm-hmm. You know, interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. The all the way he, the business like, of fighting. Now you're understanding yeah. this obviously because you're putting on these. these that's events. that's why I got into it because yeah. now now he missed a big. No, but obviously it's Conor McGregor. Dude, he could come back and do a million different things. Yeah. But like, imagine if it, that just that that little tweak to go. He he gets three because personally, if I was him, I wouldn't have fought. Uh, Diaz the second the, the 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 first time, let alone the second, mm-hmm. it was too rushed. Yeah, significantly bigger fighters got great reach and a phenomenal grappler. Yeah, there was too many variables that that didn't go in his favor. Then. Right, you know, he and lost to Diaz the first time, right? The first, he got choked out, yeah, and then beat him the second. And time. beat him the second time. Yeah. You know, I would have dodged that fight. Yeah, you know, because and and again, when I say dodge that fight, it's exactly what I mean is dodge that fight. Like it, it, at the end of the day, it's a business. It's you just don't fight people for the sake of fighting. Right. Like everyone who stands up to see how to fight you, you don't yeah. go fuck it for fighting. Yeah. Like it's not how it works. Because that guy who wants to fight everyone's gonna get put down. Yo, he's gonna get, and he doesn't get anywhere. That's yeah. why, like, and I love the Diaz brothers, phenomenal athletes, but mm. they fight any and everybody all the time. Yeah. And that's kind of the reputation they have. Yeah. And none of them have really, like, amounted to like you know championship. Memorable Hall of Fame status in yeah. in any organization. It's not it's not to say they they suck or anything, but it's just right. to say like that's their character. You know yeah. they, that they fight anybody. Yeah, and it's not that's how they're grown. That's yeah, how they, they're exactly. raised, right? Exactly, and it works for them. Yeah. yeah, but for certain people, like I would say, no, I'm not fighting that guy. Like, yeah. there's no need. I never want to fight at 165, 170. So why wouldn't mm-hmm. you know? I say you should have fought like a couple 155 guys who were legitimate fighters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Got some serious experience and then knocked up Eddie Alvarez anyway. Like yeah. Eddie Alvarez is a great fighter, but he had not knocked on McGregor, man. Yeah, you got so many competing influences, right? You got what yeah. the fighter wants, you got what the manager wants, Big what, the, time. what the league wants. There's a lot like, happening. There's yeah. so much. Yeah. And like, who knows? We'll never know everything that goes oh, on behind the scenes. Never right? will, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, it's, and, and it's not to downplay anything he's done because he's done phenomenal things. And he's probably going to do 
do way more phenomenal things. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's kind of great. But he's into that whiskey now, though. Yeah, he's doing the whiskey. <laughs> like, there's this rematch with Khabib coming up. Even yeah. if he doesn't do that, like, he can still go back down to 145. And, you know, I think he beats Holloway, personally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there's lots of, there's lots he can do. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not necessarily the end of the road. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you start to see, like, small little instances where just doing something differently could have worked out so differently, mm-hmm. right? And he's a phenomenal fighter. Like, I think... I think I think right now he's probably working on his grappling because that's probably his weakest point, right. which which is not you know he's not like a shit grappler. He's, yeah. he's just I mean he's grappling BJJ black belts with like you know twenty plus MMA fights under their belt, so yeah. he's got to step that shit up. Yeah, you know. But I, I think I think he's probably working on his grappling. He's gonna come kick some major ass like in the next year or two. Yeah, I think. So when you're when you're doing all the things you're doing, how how much are you thinking about your legacy when you're when it's all said and done? Like, are you trying to build that up right now? Oh yeah, man, yeah. dude. Like for me, ECL for example is gonna be like the biggest, you know, Muay Thai kickboxing show in mm. in Canada in the next five years, and yeah. then I wanna do North America, you know, to make it like I wanna make it big, you yeah. know what I mean? Like because at the end of the day, does it? It doesn't make make much sense to 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 keep it small. Like there's nothing small about it. Like yeah. Muay Thai is a phenomenal fan friendly sport. Yeah. Like I love watching it. People love watching it, and I want to expose as much of it as I can to everybody. And you're you know gonna, I mean? are you going to open it up to MMA eventually? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So so the goal is I want to do a le- I want to do something similar to one FC. One FC. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's I think I think that's the way to go. Something that facilitates both um, forms of fighting. Now mm-hmm. boxing, I love boxing. But personally, I think, I think, I think there's boxing, and then there's more martial artistic styles of fighting, mm-hmm. and there's no, there's nothing wrong with separating the two. Right. I think MMA and Muay Thai go very well together, mm-hmm. um, as 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 a, as, a, as a sport on one card. Mm-hmm. I think boxing does well by itself. Yeah. And but I I think personally that that Muay Thai and MMA are are the next big things in fight sports, and and they need to be push that way and yeah. I, I want to be a part of it you know what I mean I want to have like for example the reason I started doing amateur level fights with ECL and not just jumping into professional um, um, cards is because the amateurs is where it all comes from yeah. and I think MMA suffers heavily from not having an amateur a deep amateur presence right well you need that you need to build up the feeder system right? yeah, exactly you need to cast that wide net get them in the funnel so you can start pushing them upward the bigger the funnel you have the more talented people you're going to exactly. get at the top, right? Well said, brother. That's yeah. and that's that's what I think is missing, right? To go, nobody promotes enough amateur MMA. Mm-hmm. It's like you you have to become a professional MMA fighter to get legitimate MMA experience for yeah. the most part. Yeah, and that's that's to me that's a little bit unfair to the guys because the problem today is, you know, you have guys like me, for example, who are like Muay Thai fucking killers mm-hmm. who are fighting guys who have been doing a combination of everything for the last year or two, right? You know what I mean, and but that's the way the sport has to start. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, it it doesn't set up for a fair playing field for those guys, because if those guys in amateur league they could develop in for three or four years, they could come out as phenomenal MMA fighters mm-hmm. who could come up with a winning strategy against a world class kickboxer. Whereas, okay, take him out of his element. I'm going to put him on the ground and yeah. wrestle him the whole time. Yeah, you know what I mean. So all of a sudden you have kids, and and the problem is most guys. Well, everybody knows how to win a fight. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows. They just don't have the physical knowledge to do it right 
So if I was to tell, if you, for example, you could sit here right now and if you were to say like, well, how do you beat GSP? You could probably come up with a legitimate game Strategy, plan to do yeah. it. Execution yeah. is different. Execution is different. Yeah. Because he's not going to, he's not just going to sit there and go, oh, you yeah. beat me, dude. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Beat me, fair play to you. Yeah, you know what I mean? He's going to do, he's going to be counterintuitive to what you're trying to do, you know what I mean? So, and that's the real problem is, and I remember being in a fight so I can see the guy like, he, I've hit him a couple times and yeah. he's, he's t- he stands all the way back and goes, holy shit, yeah. I can't strike with this guy. But mm-hmm. then, his wrestling does is virtually non-existent, so mm-hmm. I know he can't shoot in, and he knows it too. Mm-hmm. So in his mind, he goes, "I gotta take this guy down," you know. And yeah. the best takedown I've usually just trying to grab you, and I'm like, "Perfect, it's a Muay Thai clinch," and I grab him, elbow him, yeah, and I just beat the <laughs> shit out of him. You know what I mean? But yeah. so it's not like they don't know how to fight. Right? They, they don't. They have. They don't have the experience. Mm-hmm. So they don't know how. They don't know how to take a guy down properly. Yeah. You know, and even the guys who are getting out wrestled. They, don't, they know I gotta get up off the ground. He's yeah. not, the guy's not an idiot. He's yeah. not laying there going, well, fuck it. You know, yeah. he's like, I have to stand up. Yeah. But when he scooches his butt to stand up, the guy will drag him in. When he puts his hand on the mat, the guy will scoop it up and drag it in. You know, when he does this, then the guy grabs him and puts it behind his back and starts twisting it. Now yeah. his, his elbow hurts and his shoulder hurts and he's still trying to get up. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's not like the guy's an idiot. He knows I have to get up. Yeah. But he doesn't know like all the moves to get up. You know, yeah. do this, create space. Technical get up, okay, I'm back on my feet, right. you know? You're like a, je- like, you're like legitimately like enthused by this. Like I can just see the passion. Oh, dude, I love it, The man. passion in you, like you are, you are doing the perfect thing for you. Like, yeah, like, man, this is my shit, dude. This is really, it's really awesome to see, right? <laughs> Thank like, you, I man. think anyone listening to this is going to be super inspired by that. Thank you, man, I because, appreciate that. Because so many people just go down things that they don't love and it, oh, it's a shame to that, see, man. right? Like, like it's, it's something that you're good at. It's something that you like yep. and it's something that's going to bring value. And those Big are the time. three things. If you can bring those three things together, that's like that's what you're meant to do. It's a winning recipe, right? man. Yeah, yeah. 100%. But it, it, the problem is most people, are they don't want to pay the price for that. Because mm. now when I say the price, people always, um, they always broke price and cost down to like monetary kind mm-hmm. of. And I'm like, no, man, there's certain prices that aren't monetary. Mm-hmm. So for example, to become a great martial artist, I had to grow up and defy what my parents and what society wanted yeah because my parents were like literally you have to go to school mm-hmm. and i was like well no i want to do this why ah yeah it speaks to me you know and that's a hard thing to try and tell to your your mom or your dad I remember my mom had the look on her face like like someone had just died you know she was just blank and like like white as a ghost and just left the room mm-hmm. you know i remember my dad going are you crazy like mm-hmm. What has overcome you, yeah. you know? But those are the costs. That was the cost. Otherwise, you know, if I hadn't stood up for myself and been like, this is what I want to do, yeah. I wouldn't have done it. And then the other part now, when you go like, you know, figuring it out to go, you get in there and some, you know, you get into a fight and you lose a fight. What happens when you lose your first fight? You know, most people don't don't, don't think that far. And when they lose their first fight, they go, ah, it's not for me and they leave. Yeah, It's like, you have to be prepared to lose, to go in there and try and kick someone's ass. Yeah. They're not just gonna go in and roll over for you and let mm-hmm. you beat them up. Mm-hmm. That's part of the cost. You're gonna have to be it. You're gonna have to put it on the line every time you fight. That someone might kick your ass. Yeah, that's what training is for. You know. So it's basically like the the biggest takeaway is having the the persistence to stay with what you want to do. Yeah. Despite all the trouble that you're gonna get. Well, right? it's it's the good things are trouble. Yeah. Because they force you to have to become different. You know, if 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 I stayed as Mukai, the 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 track and field guy who was you know doing architecture, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that that's a that would have been fine. You know, I I probably would have 
did a little bit of running here and there just to stay in shape and being in the gym and then gone to um, become an, an architect somewhere. Who knows, you know? Would I have been as big into fitness as I am? Probably not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, would I would I be sitting here right now here having this conversation with you? Probably not. I don't Unlikely. know. You know, would I be able to fucking you know uh, have have met as many people that I'm, I'm dude? I I've, I've hung up with like Boss Rubin and stuff. That's amazing to me. I've trained <laughs> with like you know some of the guys, the greats in MMA. That's yeah. that's that's living life to me, man. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have been able to do all those things. So at the end of the day, it's like that's what you want to do. You're gonna have to be like, if you want to train in a room with some killers, you have to be a killer as well. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't train in there. They'll kill you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. they do. <laughs> like they twist arms and punch people in the face. You know what I mean? So it's like you had to become that, and that's not an easy thing to become. It, it's and it, even for your what you do, it's like anybody can go to the the, the store and pick up a camera, even the high end black magics or whatever you're gonna call. It. You can buy one from mm-hmm. them. But as soon as he gets here, like, what are you gonna do with it? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. You gotta have the the experience, the training, Everything. the knowledge, the persistence. The like... persi- not even never mind the knowledge. You gotta be fucking hungry enough to go get the knowledge. Yeah, you know what I mean. To say you like a guy said to you like, "Hey man, I need you to produce a video for me." Yeah. It's not like you had done it before and you're like, oh, yeah, dude, that's right up my alley. Like, I've done a million times. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say if, if, everyone, if everyone had waited until they were ready to do something, then nothing would have been done. Yeah, right? it's, like you, it's like to you, you were like, okay, yeah. how do I do it? And Shit, it, even let me the guy, it out. Yeah, he just gave you a very rough, like, oh, you get some people, you yeah. get a location, and you shoot the fucking video. Just lucky for me, no one's fucking punching my face or trying yeah. to choke the life out of me while but, I'm doing but, it, right? But you know what? It's And that's, and this is this is circles back to what I think everyone needs to fight. A fight isn't necessarily physical. Mm-hmm. Most of the fights in life aren't physical. Mm-hmm. But having had a physical fight will get you in the mindset where you, you have that attrition, you know, like, yeah. fuck it, I'm going to go through this anyway. Yeah. But... The physical stuff doesn't really hurt. Mm. It doesn't. It's it. It seems like it hurts because when you watch it, you go, "Fuck, that looks like it hurt." But you're so hopped up on adrenaline and endorphins and all kinds of chemicals that your body makes that you don't feel it. Yeah. Yeah. So I watch some fights and go, "Holy shit, how do I move that fast?" <laughs> you know. But there's so much happening that like, mm-hmm. and some of them I don't even. There's a fight where I took a heavy, and I don't remember the whole fight. I had to watch it on a video. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you don't feel. It's not like I'm like, oh, dude, that hurts so much. Yeah. I'm like, no, dude, like I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. You know, certain kicks, certain punches, even you know, blood, like ever, it didn't hurt. Mm. You know, because there was so much happening. That's a, that's an important thing for people to yeah. understand. Like you know, like you said, and and also, here's here's the thing too, like being being a good person doesn't count if you're not capable of being a bad person. Right? Exactly. What's really admirable is someone who can kill you who doesn't. Not the yeah. person who can't kill you who doesn't because exactly. who gives a they shit, can. right? Yeah. So I think I think it's super valuable to to have that training and that ability and then be a good person despite all that. Right? Oh, big time. And, yeah. and even like the point I was trying to make was everything in life is a fight. So mm. even you, for example, when you're doing your first anything, mm. it's a fight because... You don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you're going to meet resistance. And that's all a fight really is. is something resists you and then you resist it. And then it becomes a mm-hmm. a push a push and pull effect till somebody wins. Yeah, That's all it is. So yeah. it, and, and that may be someone going, oh, I need a permit to shoot it. And they go, well, no. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, you got to talk to this guy, get this much insurance, mm-hmm. get a bunch of police officers. You got to do all these things. Just Here a you series go. of little battles. Yeah. Right? Here you go. Go yeah. do them. 
Yeah. You know, and you get there, and the one guy goes, "Oh yeah, this is a five hundred dollar fee," and you go, "Dude, I just need a two uh, a fucking two minute scene." <laughs> I don't care, dude. You you want to be here? It's a five hundred dollar thing, and yeah. it's two hundred dollars for this, and yeah. it's this for that, and it's this for that, and there's your fight right there. Yeah. What's and, interesting is that there, there there's always more than one way to do something. Oh, big time. that's the, that's what's so liberating about getting out of that like corporate environment and getting out of that like nine to five and go yep. to school and this is your typical you yep. know trajectory it's like you get out of that and you realize like man there are a lot of ways to do a lot of things and i just got to kind of figure out what i'm good at yeah and and, and then and then pursue that and with everything i got yeah and and it's and even for you for example like like some of the things you're doing people dream about that man to go i did a documentary with fucking michael bisping and yeah. i sat and chat with the guy about yeah. his life and got to find that out like People kill for that, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's people who worship the ground that guy walks on, and yeah. it's like, you know? Well, we're, we're super lucky, because like, yeah. you see his fans and how crazy people are about him. Yeah. That that really puts things in perspective, makes us grateful for the opportunity to get to it's, do it, It's right? a huge opportunity, but it's like, you wouldn't have gotten it if you hadn't fought for it. Yeah. Like, you had to fight for that. Yeah. That may so not I'm, have been a physical, you went in a room and fought 10 guys for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. it, 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 that shit... Gives you gray hairs, man. Like yeah. you, you fucking grow up when you do those kinds of things, right? Yeah. Like I remember doing, doing a show where you had to do like a liquor application mm -hmm. to sell just to sell liquor at an event. Mm. That shit is a fucking headache, dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> everyone's got their strengths, right? And yeah, paperwork man. is a is a killer. Yeah, paperwork, like but paperwork is. I, I'd rather fight ten guys back to back <laughs> than do paperwork for some of the shit I do. Yeah. It's a headache. Yeah, but and, that you know, you, you learn what's gonna make you successful and you learn to start loving the shit even yeah. if you suck at it. You love the stuff. You, love, you learn get, it. You love getting in the mock yeah, and man. doing the stuff that gives you the biggest headache and you hate it the most. Yeah. But if you get good at that, you're gonna be unstoppable, yeah. right? Well that's what the growth is, right? Because I realize after having done it once, it's 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 just a process now. Now it's not even a headache. I go, yeah. okay, I gotta download this yeah. form Fill this part out, send yeah. this part to this guy, this part to that guy, this part to that guy, pay yeah. this to this guy, go do this with that guy, and it's done. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden, the second time around, it's a walk in the park. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. those assholes were giving me a hard time last time. They know me now. They're like, yeah. oh, you're back. I'm like, yeah, I'm all back, right, dude. All we right. got to do another one. Now yeah. we get along. Now they're helping me out, you know, and that's that's the other side of, of the coin that people don't get to by not getting into the fight the first time. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, when you get in there and you punch and kick, you punch and kick, it's hard. It's fucking tough. Mm -hmm. The next time it gets a little easier. You're down the road. It's it's easy work, man. Yeah. You're laughing. Yeah. You know, it's 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 that easy. Two yeah. years, fuck. Ten years, <laughs> you know. Oh my god, you know, you're 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 killing it now. You're teaching people how to kick ass. You know, yeah. it's it's the same shit. It's, but you gotta you gotta get into that initial fight first, and that's that's what scares a lot of people. Like, I don't. I remember like, I I I was I did not know what I was gonna do. Without getting along with my parents, yeah. at the, at that point when that was happening, like when my parents said that was the first time, my parents and I did not agree on something that pivotal in life, like we didn't agree on it, and and I wasn't budging, so that was our actual our first actual like yeah. fight fight, you know where I'm like well, I'm not budging on this, mm. and they're like well we're not budging either, and my and my mom and dad was moving from Hamilton to uh, Creighton, Saskatchewan, I think it was. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's when I was like, oh, I'm moving out. So yeah. I actually moved out first. I was like, I'm moving out, guys. And I moved out, got my own place, and I was living by myself. And that's how it started. Yeah. You know? And it was, it, that's how it went. 
You had to take that leap. You didn't know what was going to happen. I did not know, man. And even then, like, we fought all the time. I'd see them go home for Christmas and I'd be losing their shit. I'd lose my shit and I'd leave, (laughs) you know? And that's what it was, man. Like, you had to earn it, you know? Yeah. That's what it was. And it's, 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 when I got into business, I realized it was the same there too. Like, no, no one's going to say, oh, open your little marketing company Mm -hmm. and, and there's a client sitting over there who needs a service. No one's going to go, oh, Mukai's got that guy. Let him go. Yeah. They're going to come after that guy. You're going to have to battle. You're going to have to be the best. Right? Oh, yeah. You're going to have to prove yourself. Why do you deserve to be there? They're, they'll take your work, send it to them and say, I could do better. Yeah. You know? I could do it better or cheaper or, or both. Whatever, or both. both. Or whatever. Or whatever. They'll do that because guess what? They got to eat too, man. Yeah, man. You know? Yeah. And so it's, it's it, and that's what I was saying was it's an even worse fight. Like, and that's why it scares people because at least fighting, you know, oh, fuck, I'm fighting. Yeah. I'm fighting Shane right here, man. I'll punch him in the face, you know? <laughs> Easy. Yeah. But they're what happens when it's some guy sending an email from a a, a, a a virtual marketing agency in Toronto, you know? Yeah. And they go, yeah, we've got a room full of 20 guys. We could do the work, like, for half the price, dude. Yeah. Like, send it to us, you know? Yeah. What do you do that? Are you going to fly there or punch a guy in the face? <laughs> <laughs> you got to channel that fight into something different. Yeah, exactly. Right? You're going to yeah. fight those guys different. You know, you got to do great work. You got to yeah. build the relationship. Yeah. You got to do all these crazy things, right? So it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, fuck. I didn't think this fighting shit was going to help, but it sure does. It's unbelievable. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about Edmonton? Oh, dude. I love everything about Edmonton. Yeah. It's uh. And some of it is by, just by, by design because mm-hmm. I've never, I didn't grow up with winters mm-hmm. like this. So even yeah. this last winter, this hellish cold one, yeah. for me, it was a challenge to go, dude, I've never walked in like minus 40 yeah. weather. It's a battle. I'm going for it's a fucking a fight, walk, right? man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, people are like, are you crazy? I'm like, dude, I've never done it before. Yeah. Like to me, this is, this is like, yeah. I remember the first time I saw snow, like, snow, like yes. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, when you see it in movies, you don't think it's that cold. In the yeah, movies. no, you don't realize, right? I ran out there five minutes. I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> Fucking minus 40. I, so I walked a good life from here. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. Because I don't have a car. Yeah. And so I walk, like, I think the coldest I did it last year was like minus 25 or minus 30. Yeah. And it's like, fuck, you're, you're. Your eyebrows are frozen. They freeze, your but yeah. eyelashes yeah. are frozen. Your nostril hairs yeah, are frozen. But, I, <laughs> but there's something about that adversity that makes no. when you go through something that's hard, everything else seems easy. It's easy, right? man. To walk in the park, dude. and so yeah. by comparison, you're like, oh shit, I can, you know, oh rainy day, I can walk through. Oh, run, go run in the rain. Easy right? work, man. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. So I love it all, you know, because now I get to experience that, and like, I. I I'm like, dude, this is this is life, man. Like, it's it's amazing, you know. And even, like, there's something about Edmonton's like culture where mm. there's so many festivals. Like, I, and I also realized entrepreneurially, like, mm. there's lots of people killing in Edmonton, yeah. man. Yeah, I it seems love, to be a hotbed for that. Yeah, man. It's 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 like there's you know, we talked about Rick um with with KB and Co. That that yeah. brand is hot, man. Carrot yeah, yeah. Urban Dill, we talked that brand is hot. You know, mm. um, what you call this started from here? Boosted Juice started from here. Yeah, also Rick. Um, yeah, Rick was in that. There was a bunch of things where the big things that started yeah. here. Yeah, you know, well, what we I mean? ha- we have a propensity to want to support local too. Like, yeah. we're really good at that. Like, something yeah. comes out of Edmonton, we're like, that's we're on our, it, man. That's our yeah. guy, right? You know, like I love that about Edmonton, yeah. man. Even just like like this, there's just so much of everything, mm. you know, and they're all great people. Yeah, you know, great great people, and it's it's. It's almost like a uh, a mega city that's not yet a mega city. Yeah. You know, you've yeah. got access to everything like a Vancouver, access yeah. to everything like a Toronto, but you don't have the size and the, and, yeah. and the, the, the accompanying ego that comes with the city, you know. Yeah, and definitely. I love that about Edmonton, man. It's it's it's, it's a perfect it's a perfect little 
you know, city. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a great place to be starting your, your combat league. And I think, I think it's going to do well. Oh, I think I'm it's, on it, man. Uh, I think it's a perfect place to be. Cause obviously we're, we're a big fighting hotbed. Um, but also tons of support from everyone in all different aspects, whether, yeah. whether they like fighting or not, they're going to support you because it's homegrown here, it's, right? Exactly. And, and I've, I've noticed a lot of support from the community, right? Like, I mean, people come out and, and, and they love it, man, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it's, 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 it's just so, it's satisfying and it's gratifying to see people come and go, dude, you got to keep doing this. This yeah. is, I never knew you could do this. And that means I'm yeah. like, oh, dude, it's, it's here, man. Just wait. Just yeah. wait and oh, see what gonna, I can do, right? It's going to get crazy, yeah, man. man. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. So it's, it's, it's fun, man. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and uh, yeah, we're definitely gonna work, grow it to like a new level. Where can uh, people go to see uh, all the things that you're working on in the Edmonton Combat League? Uh-huh. EdmontonCombatLeague.com. Uh huh. Edmontoncombatleague.com. Uh, that's the website. Uh, you can follow me on social media. Uh, my you know Instagram is at Mukaimaromo. Mukaimaromo on Facebook. Find me on that. You know, I always have something going on. Yeah. Haven't haven't had a lot of time to 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 be as present on social media as I like to be. Mm-hmm. But that's changing. Uh, starting this week actually. End yeah. of this week, like we're just gonna step it up and, and get more stuff out there. And I need to be more present. Yeah. So that's that's one thing I'm working on because I'm too busy like. You know, in you're the doing. Trenches. You're doing. Yeah, right? like that's 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 always the battle. Like, how much yeah. do I represent the doing, or how much do I just do it? Yeah, right. It's it's always a push and pull. Like, I have to like on our shoots too. Sometimes I have to be like, oh shit, should I get out of the moment because I'm enjoying the moment, but and like you, step back moment, and get some pictures, can. right? Yeah. Like it's. You know, it's it's always that battle. Yeah. You just need to hire a personal videographer that to probably, follow you around all the time. Probably, yeah, yeah. I might, I might have to do that, but it's too expensive. Man. Yeah, I don't know. There's probably some young, hungry Nate student who, maybe. who wants a piece of what yeah. you're doing. Right? Yeah, maybe. I'll, you know, I, you know what? I haven't looked. I have to look. But you know what? Like, ah, fuck. I I thought about that for the podcast too. I I don't want to ask for something for free, right? No, like, it's, like it's tough, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm sure hundred percent there's people out yeah. there willing to do it. No doubt. And they'd be grateful for the opportunity, yeah. but I don't feel right asking yeah. someone to do something for free. Yeah. You know, it's, so. Anytime I do that, I feel like I have to reciprocate with something. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, you know, the, yeah. the opportunity should be it. Yeah. But still like you feel yeah. like you want to give more. I feel like I got to reciprocate because yeah. it's, it's, it's like what, for, it's, it's odd because what I'm doing, sometimes it doesn't feel like, like, like work. You know, yeah, I yeah. Do. So it's like it's, it's sometimes I have a hard time justifying demanding money for it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But then I'm like, well, dude, it's so valuable though. It yeah. Doesn't matter. It feels like work or not. Yeah, There's like exactly. huge value in this, yeah. right? So everything's worth what people are willing to pay for. Exactly. Right? You so. know. So it, 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 that's that's one of the concepts I, I have to wrap my head around to go like understand your true value mm-hmm. versus like an assumed value because yeah. a lot of time when you assume a value you usually assume very yeah you understand a lot yourself, less right? than, what, than yeah. what you worth you know and then when you're in the battle you go it's much better to undersell yourself than oversell yourself because then you come off as a fraud. Yeah, yeah, right? you come up. Yeah, 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 that's true too. So it's 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 a ba- it's balance again. It's yeah. that word. It's all about balance. You gotta strike that balance and then go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, man, brother, this has been a pleasure. Honestly, hey, great chat with man. you. Thank you. Blast. Thank you. Um, Thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. Have to do it again sometime after yes. the next few events. Like a follow up in like three years. <laughs> <laughs> you might be off in, in Vegas or some oh, other no. city at that point. No. Ba- based on the rate you've been moving we're, cities. We're we're keeping it we're keeping it. Edmonton is actually the city I've lived in the longest since I left home. Is that right? Yeah. Well, so good this to know. is my new home. Yeah. I might jump around a bit. Cause I love traveling and like yeah. I love Vancouver, man. Vancouver's I'm pretty nice. I spend a lot of time out there. Every I time I'm back Vancouver. there, I'm like, why would I leave? Yeah, but Edmonton just feels like home. Yeah, Edmonton's home, but I love Vancouver. I'm gonna check that out a lot. So, yeah, it's gonna be good times, man. All right, man. Thanks again. Appreciate Thank you for it. Having me. Have a great one. Ciao.
Guys, this episode is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your energy from. So if you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. So shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kasowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. That's all for me this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode and can't wait to get back to you next week. See ya.